Minwax knows that when your client wants something specific, you want to give it to them. So stop by Lowe's and get some Minwax. Limitless premium colors? Minwax has them. Professional results? Guaranteed. So you can give clients beautiful wood floors, cabinets, trim. I could keep going, but I'm out of time. Keep on finishing with Minwax, America's number one selling brand of interior stains and clears. Available at Lowe's. Um, all right, let's got the radio side going there. All right, let's move on here. Who else is joining us? Uh, Science Bob is here, everyone. And uh, we love our Science Bob around here as we got about 25 seconds to go. And who else? We got Mama Susan. Always a pleasure to have you here. And uh, Jim Christie. Nice to see you. Where's Doug Shelby? I can't find Doug Shelby. How do we start the show without the Doug Shelby? Oh, shit. Uh, Andy Jones, nice to see you. Super Chat is open. So is our store. Penman, good to see you. Horns up. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on TalkStream Live, Odyssey Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. All right, here we go. It's a great show tonight as we welcome back our cryptid countess, Varla Ventura. Ooh, cryptid countess. I like that. I just came up with that. She's back for our cryptid world. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller has another spooky story for us. Bigfoot Michigan Rob filling in for Super Duke on the cryptid report. It's Dave 101 night, and Shirky Poo has the news. Each and every month, we have a little ditty here that we call Our Cryptid World, where we bring in author, researcher, and downright good person, Varla Ventura, to come on in and join us to talk about monsters that walk among us. You can find any of her books at any major bookstore. She is well-respected, well-published, and well-authored throughout the mystique of monsters. And not just the everyday monsters, the darker ones, the darker side of monsters. So tonight, you know, before the show... I was talking to Varla, and she's like, what are we talking about tonight? And I'm like, let's talk about lady monsters. Let's make it 
a real feminine monster night. Now, of course, our show never seems to go the way we actually plan it because of all of you taking it in the direction that you want to go with your questions, and that will likely continue. But first, let's say hello to our great friend, and there she is, Varla Ventura. VarlaVentura.net is her website. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Monstresses. I think that's where we landed. Monsteras, monstresses. Monsteresses. I really like Cryptid Countess. That's, thank you. I really like that one. I love it. I love it. Cryptid Countess. It suits you. Because I could actually see you doing <laughs> doing like vampire type photo shoots with the with the words cryptid countess around you. But maybe with like a weird like creature hand reaching out toward my neck or something. Yes. Right? And yes. Then, yeah. <laughs> yes. You're reading my mind. Totally reading my mind. But what's happening, my friend? How you been? I've been okay. Yeah. Happy belated birthday. Thank I'll you. Just say that thank you okay. i i appreciate you that sit on your, you're a couple days you're a couple days late but that's okay it's your birthday week true i mean who doesn't want to celebrate their birthday all week oh i hear you i totally hear you i got new lighting in the studio now for our yeah, youtube site yeah and see I that and i can't figure the damn thing out like just when i think i got it i don't have it yeah, I actually got a new lamp, and it really threw everything off. And so half, I, I kind of like, I like this half. I feel like I should the be. dark half. I feel like I should then... be like this. <laughs> holding my light right to my face. Oh, you got one of those things. I hate those things. I hated the halo, too. But look, I, I'm angelic. But look, it. it works really well. It's very flattering, yes. Yes, I, I tend to think so, too. You know, if it actually... I'll just keep mine kind of misty. So you get, like, you keep, keep it down low here. Sure, sure. Yeah. You, you yeah. are yeah. You are known... Countess and all. <laughs> you are known as one of the top cryptid writers in North America. And, I, you know, you may... I know you're too humbled probably to, to accept that title, but I've interviewed a hell of a lot of people, as you know, and I'm, I'm willing to put that tag on you right like that because, well, I have the authority on this show to do so. You know, and I, I want to ask you, you know, I mean, there isn't many questions. And I respect your authority. Well, thank you. Thank you. There isn't many questions over the last couple of years that we've really got to know each other that I haven't asked you before. But I, I'm going to start off with this. You know, our, well. our, our, our subject tonight is going to be female monsters because mm-hmm. everything seems to be tagged with man on the end of it dog man you know everything <laughs> you know I, I think the only real female monsters that that men really know are are succubuses you know we could thank south park mm. for that right yeah but, right <laughs> but that but that's about it you know how come the monster world seems to be so heavily dominated by men rather than women well, it's a male-dominated society. I mean, <laughs> we're getting past it slowly but surely. But, I mean, you know, men like to be reminded they're the boss. So I think that some of it, woo, I think that's some of it. I, I think, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot to unpack with that, honestly, because I do think that even within mythology, the way that um, female um characters and 
monsters and goddesses are portrayed are often kind of um, skewed, including, you know, including witches, mermaids. I mean, you know, there's, there's definitely some, some bias there about sort of what their, what their agenda is. And I'm not here to say they're not out, out for blood, but, um, you know, I think there's, there's, and, and it's not just, I'm not saying all men only like to see big, giant, you know, muscly aqua men on the screen. However, there's plenty of women that enjoyed Aquaman, I'm sure. But I, I just think... Um, plenty of men, too. Just out of... Plenty of men, too. Plenty of men, too. I don't know. I think that women just are, you know, constantly overlooked and um, sort of um, treated second rate. And we are... It is It is something that has been changing. And, and I'm, I'm certainly not accusing every man out there of doing that. But as a society, as a whole, where we are today, women are still not equal. They're just not. They're not equal in pay. They're not equal in rights. And they're certainly not equal in representation. Um, but it is getting better every day. So hooray for that. Well, but hey, I mean, even hey. within the paranormal world, now wait, now even within the paranormal community, um, it's, it's long been dominated by certain, certain men. I mean, there's, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's gatekeepers, right? We've run into these gatekeepers again and again. And I'm not saying that Men don't run into those gatekeepers also. A lot of us run into those gatekeepers. But, um, you know, there's certain pressures on women on how, how they look, how they behave in public. You know, we can't get drunk in public. Trust me, neither we can can't. us men. <laughs> so all of these things said, I just think, you know, now that you've opened the can of worms, um, I think I think there actually are a lot of female monsters that are celebrated that we just don't think about. A lot of us think of like Medusa, right? Like like we we um, think of Medusa as kind of like one of our main our main female monsters. But they a lot of the monsters, um, if they are female, they are pretty extreme. And then there's just like there's there's fewer of them but um it doesn't really matter if you know the the mother monster is the one that gave birth to them all in the in the mythology right so that that happens a lot i don't know there's a lot to unpack with um the divine feminine and how it's represented in um monster culture do you for think sure. do you think it has to do with the fact that you know women you know, especially when it comes to the cryptid world, even going back to to the days of of you know ancient Greece and ancient Rome, where the outside of Medusa, the women, the female god or the goddesses and everything, they're they're known to be more motherly, nurturing, you know, caring rather than being a, a sea hag in a Popeye cartoon, right? I mean. That's, yeah. you know, whereas, you know, Hades and, and all of the other gods, you know, that, that were striking vengeance on, on humanity and, and other cultures were, were very, very forceful, very, uh, you know, bloodthirsty. You know, does it kind of go along with that? Um, I mean, there's what I think goes along with that is how those myths have been told and retold through specific lenses. Um, because there certainly are plenty of vengeful, wrathful female um, goddess stories, you know. 
um, in, in various cultures. But another thing that's also kind of significant here is I do think, well, for one thing, I think women are better at, I think women are better at hiding than men. So I think that there's some stuff that has been kept under the radar, probably most deliberately. And certainly in terms of dealing with um, anything demonic or any of the occult arts or anything um, that might, um, you know, if you're in communication with the divine and then people think you're a witch, there's very um, good good reason that um, we would... Uh, want to keep the the spotlight off of us um you know being murdered um you know being being burned at the stake like all, all those kinds of things but again i i think we have to and i i say this because i read a lot of folklore and a lot of mythology and um I read a lot of stuff that has been obviously translated and then translated again and translated again, whether that's from Irish to English, Welsh to English, Greek to English, because um, I don't read in any other language. Uh, so I think like a lot of those interpretations and translations have been done through a very specific lens. And, and I, I've, I've said this before in terms of, like, what we know about, um, for example, the werewolf canon. Um, some of the most uh, comprehensive information that we have or that I've certainly ever seen about werewolves and werewolf mythology and the possible existence of werewolves came from one, well, a couple of different sources, but one of them was a man, and um, he was actually a reverend. And so, and, and what he assembled is pretty amazing. Um, it's, it's this massive volume about werewolves and the existence of werewolves. And, and the, um, he was obviously pro-werewolf. Like, he really thought that they were real and um, had seen these rituals and examples of it as he was traveling through the um, kind of outskirts of European civilization trying to convert people to Christianity and making all these these records along the way and talking to people. And it's a, it's a fantastic book. I love that book. But when I read it, I recognize that I'm reading it through the lens of a fairly well-off, educated man of the cloth from, you know, about 1850, which was like, peak men getting to do whatever they wanted <laughs> basically uh excuse me specific men white white men you know not not all men but but certainly white men of a certain class not even all white men just men men of a certain class and he was of that class and and i don't say that to disparage or to discourage anyone from reading it, I say it that I knew all along as I was reading it, and you can tell right off the bat because of some of his comments about pregnant women and how they have something um, within them that can be um, attributed to, especially when they're pregnant, how that can be kind of um, attributed to werewolfian behavior. Um, so he's got some very specific ideas, this guy. But anyway, his lens is a, it's a lens. We all do that, right? We all have our own biases of like what we've experienced and what we see. But a lot of the written record 
is is from that. Um, and so that's changing. And I think the people who are translating and going back and retranslating these things and looking at it um, with a different lens, that's happening. And as that happens, we we um, we educate ourselves. Um, whether that's, you know, um, from an indigenous culture or it's, um, you know, Greek myths looked at through a whole new lens. And, and that's not to say that hasn't been happening. You know, there's women who run with the wolves did that with fairy tales, you know, back in the 80s. And that was a woman who took apart fairy tales and looked at them as they were sort of... Um, uh, more of like allegories for uh, how women were expected to behave. And um, so anyway, uh, that, that's my point, is that everything is kind of maybe filtered through a specific lens that doesn't necessarily put women in the best spotlight, especially uh, right. in terms of monsters. Right. So moving on here, let's let's go through some of these monsters that that because uh, you know werewolves are always seem to be men, you know Dracula. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh. I totally have a, some some girl werewolf. Okay, give for give you. us those stories. Let's start it right here. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, actually, um, it's probably not quite as exciting as you as you would think. But women were frequently accused of being werewolves. Um, around the same time of the witch craze in, you know, 1600s in Europe when everybody was, like, sucking on ergot, which was basically this, like, poison that was on wheat that everybody was eating, and it was making them all high and hallucinate. And so you were accused of kind of three things if things went, went amiss, and it was, you know, either a, a young town's girl or um, an old widow you were accused of being, um, or if you were, you know... A, perfectly lovely woman whose husband wanted to get rid of you you could also be accused of being a witch primarily and that was kind of like the big buzzword but you could also be accused of being a, a, a vampire occasionally most most second to being accused of being a witch you would be accused of being a werewolf and so i have a fun one here that i was flipping through my book earlier and i was like oh this is a fun one i want to i want to read this one aloud if we talk about werewolves it's pretty gross, and that's what makes it fun. So, Let's do it. time. We Big have time. Yeah. six minutes. Oh, we've got plenty of time. So, this is um, the the title of this little section is called "It Runs in the Family." <laughs> You'll soon find out why. In 1598, a poor girl named Pernet Gandillion ran around the country on all fours, believing she was a wolf. One day, oh, I should have, like, a disclaimer. This is going to talk about murdering innocent people. So, you know. Oh, nice. Just so you know. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, one day, she was running through the fields when she spied two children plucking wild strawberries. Don't know why it was wild strawberries. Blinded by a thirst for blood, she pounced on the little girl, but was gashed in the side by the girl's little brother, who was carrying a knife. Pernette wrestled the knife from the boy and stabbed him in the neck, killing him instantly. When the townspeople caught wind of this, they hunted Pernette down and tore her to pieces. And, and then just, this isn't a... Shortly after the horrifying incident, Pernette's older brother, Pierre, was accused of witchcraft. He was charged for leading children to the Sabbath and encouraging them to run around the country as if they were wolves. 
Pierre used to to used a salve to coat the children's bodies and transform them into werewolves. He was able to transform as well and admitted to devouring both animals and humans. Um, anyway, he goes on to do like many more murderous things, but um, it was his little sister that inspired him. <laughs> his little werewolf sister. So isn't that isn't that nice? That is beautiful. Inspiring <laughs> your little sister to go on a murderous, vampirous rampage. That That's so romantic. No, it... it it, he was inspired by her. She did the murdering first, so right. you know that was the original, the original female werewolf. And then I have another one in here, okay. and I'm not sure exactly where it was. I was trying to find sure. it, but it was a, this wonderful story about this woman who um, they find her in the morning, and her husband is torn. This is probably about I don't know. 1600 1605 something like that and her husband's body is just torn like limb for limb there's there's an arm over here and a leg over there and there's just blood and carnage everywhere and she's just sort of sitting there in the morning in this like pool of blood and this kind of dazed look on her face and they drag her out of there and they start questioning her and they sort of rifle through her skirts, of course, and flip her skirts up. And underneath they find a satchel that has um, wolf's bane and several other kind of like strange herbs in there. And they declare that this was her magic pouch that allowed her to transform into a werewolf. And apparently she then went on to confess that she did, she wasn't entirely sure what happened, but she thought it was, it was plausible that she had transformed into a werewolf and torn her husband limb from limb. Interesting. Scary, um, but interesting. Terrifying. Yes. I don't get, why, why, why are we so violent? Tearing the face off the husband. Well, I know, and I'm just saying. Whatever, ha just, whatever happened to the good old days of just lopping off someone's head? You know, I mean. Well, that it's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out of pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. Kick off summer with great deals at Academy Sports and Outdoors. Take up to $100 off grills and patio furniture. Get kids' bikes starting at $59.99 and get 25% off Hydroflask drinkware. Shop your store or academy.com. Deals end May 30th. Exclusions and restrictions apply. See academy.com slash disclaimers. Save things. I mean, they had nice, sharp guillotines. Everybody else had these, like, really dull daggers that they had to just sort of, like, carve away at, you know? Right. Was, good weapons were for the rich. <laughs> Yeah, so instead we had to use dull knives and fingernails yeah. to rip Butter them. knives and fingernails and twigs in the forest. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get you. I get you. We got about 90 seconds left on uh, before we have to go to break on our cryptid world with Varla Ventura tonight on Spaced Out Radio. <laughs> and uh, before we get into the second half hour, succubuses. We might as well get this one right out of the way because, <laughs> you know, for many of us, you know, we, we always uh, worry about the succubus and the incubus, you know, or succubi, incubi, if you want to go plural. You know, it, it is something that, Octopi. you know, it is something that, do you think there are succubuses and incubuses still running around? 
Probably. I mean, something that can like sort of just jump on you and, and draw the life out of you. Yeah. Latch on to you. Yeah, I think there probably are. I think they've always been around and they just get called different names, you know. So I do think that we have a lot more like, you know, we we don't like sleep out in a field all that often. I mean, I know you occasionally do, Dave, when you go out hunting and such, but not me, man. There's... No, not me. <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> you're, you're more of a glamper. <laughs> I am total. I, I don't even glamp right now. I'm a homebody. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that they are quite real. And, um, you know, I just, I think maybe we are more aware of them or we have more protections. Things around us that we don't realize ward them off. Other names for it, other ways of, of, of um, you know, some, when I once had a, a psychic tell me I had a, thing from the astral plane had come down and latched onto my my uh, right shoulder and she could just see it there so Marla I'm <laughs> going to get you to hold on right there as we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour varlaventura.net is her website Marla comes in once a month for our cryptid world we're going to continue the monster talk on spaced out radio right after this All right, we is clear. Eight. What was that? That was horrible. Uh, just to answer a private question from Grant, yes, yes, I am wearing uh, pajama bottoms. I am wearing pajama bottoms. I am too. <laughs> I'm wearing. I'm wearing. Well, I'm not going to show you. I'm wearing sweatpants. I'm wearing a nice top and sweatpants. That's how it goes, right? It's called your Zoom top. Business up top. Mm -hmm. I have no problem. Mine are, mine are uh, white and navy blue checkered. Mine are gray with moons and stars. That's perfect, right? That's exactly the kind of pajamas I would those think are, would have. Those would are have. those are glamping pajama bottoms. Total <laughs> glamping. No, glamping pajama bottoms are silk. <laughs> That's only if you're in like the two hundred thousand dollar motorhome. Yeah, the uh, the tent that someone digs your own latrine for you just just before you. Just before you settle in. Mm. Your very own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for getting into the pajama bottom talk, Grant. <laughs> completely your fault. So much. Completely so much. your fault. Oh, it's completely like changed fashion, especially like women's fashion. There's like all of these brands that are coming out with things that are like, they're basically calling them like, like day pajamas or like pajamas that you can wear to work and they're just like you know not yoga pants but like yoga pant material but they kind of look like dress pants or they kind of look like something's you know like oh just put a pair of heels on with that no one will know it's like yeah i'm pretty sure someone's gonna notice 
Yeah, that, that's Marla's answer to everything. Just throw a pair of heels on it. That's right. Or at it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. I know I'm on a roll. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wear my pajama. I, I'm that dude who wears his pajama bottoms to the gas station. Oh, are you? I oh, am t- I, I, I am not that lady. I, I yeah. am totally that dude. But then again, <laughs> I I know everybody there. So it's like. So you're just like, they're expect, they would feel, think if you were dressed up in like jeans, they'd be like, oh, fancy meeting today. <laughs> uh, let me just see something here. Hold on. Uh, this is where I got to do two things at once here. <sighs> June. Um, all right, sorry. I'm trying to book a guest at the same time. Oh, that's all right. You're. This is technically downtime right now, right? I know. I know. Just the way it is. The way it is. Yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. Let's see here. Yeah, I will not wear pajamas to Walmart. I will not do that. I have, That's just a yeah. step in the wrong direction. You know, I won't pull pull the fap and, and wear my pajama uh, bottoms, uh, you know, to to the grocery store or... You know, to, you know, the movies, to a football game. No one can see you at the movies. <laughs> I hate the movies, honestly. I, hate- I haven't been to the movies in so long, I just realized that. And that's funny you say that, because I actually love the movies. And I was like, I want to go to the movies. I haven't been to the movies. So I think I might take my son to a movie this weekend. I, Pretty sure he doesn't want to see Downton Abbey, though. <laughs> Honestly, I cannot. Probably gonna settle on the secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> I I friggin' hate the movies. I hate movies. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. My parents, my my two older sisters, are ten and seven years older than me, and Uh-oh. and uh, let's just say one went. The oldest went super wild. The other, the second one went middle wild. And I got ruled with an iron fist. So through my teenage years, while my friends were going to parties and and hanging mm-hmm. out, I I was stuck at home on uh, every Friday Saturday night, having to have movie night. So I would go down to the movie store, rent a couple of videos, and I. But that's not the same thing as going to uh, the movies. And well, hold on, we're, honestly, we're, we're coming now, back. Do Next you break. really think ne- you're going to watch the movie? Next break. (laughs) Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. 
want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. From our cryptid world here on the mighty SOR, we have the lovely and talented Varla Ventura who comes on in and hangs out with us once a month for a great show on monsters. Her website, VarlaVentura.net. You can find her books at any major bookstore. Varla, welcome back. Well, thank you. Yes. Do we con- <laughs> do we continue our debate here? You know? No, 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 no. We don't need to. We don't need to. Okay. I mean, I, I want to hear the rest of your story. Okay. But... Well, we'll fill in the radio audience. We were talking about going to the movie theater, you know, before, uh, you know, I haven't been to the movies in years because I hate movies. And the, it's not that I hate movies. I can find something better to do with my money, number one. Yeah. And number two, I mean, there's no reason why a movie night should be a $100 night. Or even a, 50, even, a, even a $50 night. I mean, by the time you get your popcorn, your, your, your candy, and your drink, it's like $38. You know, okay, dad. Look, uh, no, it has nothing to do with okay, dad. It has nothing to do with that. It, it has everything to do with the fact that that I got better things to do with my time, and I spent so much time renting videos as a kid and in my teenage years because my parents ruled me with an iron fist that I absolutely am sick of movies, sick of them. So <laughs> this is why. This is like I have. How do you feel about drive-ins? Drive uh, drive-ins, I like. Drive-ins are cool. Okay, Okay. all right. Compromise. I will. I have no. I have no problem with compromising on driving movies. You know, but I will say this: there are certain movies I want to see. Okay, I want to see the new Top Gun coming out. All right, because. You know, growing up in the 80s, in in 1986, (laughs) I mean, Top Gun was everything. It was a big deal, It was everything. Until you you study aircraft and realize that it was impossible the way Goose died. It was absolutely impossible. (laughs) All right, that bugged me. And the fact that they were calling F-5s or T-38 Talons uh, uh, MiG-28s, that's a lie, too. You know, but that bugged me, right? Continuity error. Yes. That bugged me. So, but I want to see Top Gun again. I do want to see Top Gun again. And uh, I also, you know, another movie I haven't seen yet that I wanted to see, and it's already a couple years old, was Bohemian Rhapsody. I, I wanted to see that. Cause yeah, I, I never saw that either. I want to see that one. But I, I just have a tough time paying 20 bucks. Welcome to the drive-in. Paying 20 bucks for, for it to, you know, on Amazon Prime. I don't want to do Okay, that. so... So let me just make a couple points in pro movies and then we can move on. <laughs> okay, so my point's pro movies. So actually, unlike you, I didn't I didn't get to go to the movies a lot when I was a kid. We lived in this really rural, weird place until 
um, my friend, my best friend, her parents bought a movie theater. And I think I was probably about 11 years old. And they used to just let us go to the movies all the time. Whenever we wanted to go to the movies, we could go. We could go for free. So that was really awesome. And then one of my dearest friends is a movie theater manager in San Francisco. So if I wanted to go to the movies, and he always plays like really cool old horror, and he would do these midnight mass shows and, um, you know, show like horror movies at midnight, and they do this whole kind of like drag thing. It was just so fantastic. So again, I frequently didn't have the price tag associated with movies. Now, to me, I go so rarely that I don't even care how much it costs because to me, it's a treat. It's like going to do something that, you know, is kind of special. And so you pick a special movie and you go with a special person. Also, you don't always have to watch the movies. If you think movies are boring, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in movie theaters. That's why I asked about drive-ins, just to, to clarify. And I don't know, to me, I, I just love movie theaters. And I don't go very often. And because of that, you know, obviously, like, I, I'm not going to be spending 100 bucks every weekend going to the movies. So I, I understand what you're saying. However, I do think there's a time and a place. And that can be once a month, perhaps every three months when you go to the movies. There's just something really special about going to the movies. Our theaters were closed for two years here. So they're finally opened back up again, and I want to go to the movies. Well, I and I'm can... not going with you, obviously. No, you're not going with me. I'll be at the bar, you know, down the road watching whatever. No, no, no! You don't understand. They have bars in movie theaters yeah, now. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I am not doing that. All right. You know, and here's another thing I hate about Hollywood. All right. Before <laughs> we continue, I am. I hate CGI. I like the old days where the stunts were actually done, you know, and nowadays with all this CGI and everything, I'm not a fan of it. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan. All right. I, I'm just not. And yeah, I mean, I like to go to horror movies that, so that's what I save up for. I save up for, I think the last movie I actually saw was, I think it was the second it. That was really fun. That certain things are just fun. It's it's so fun to go to a dark movie theater and everybody is like totally freaking out, and it's just kind of, you know, hilarious. I love it. I um, I agree with mournful mantelope in our chat room. Bars in cinemas are wrong. It's wrong. Well, well, as if you didn't sneak something in. You know, they just figured out everybody was sneaking in. I play by the rules. I'm not a rule breaker like you, Varla Ventura. Nah, I'm a rule breaker, and I'm proud of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's why your son turned out to be a goaltender in hockey. Now now it's all coming together. really good at it. Now it's all coming together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Hmm. that's right. Hmm. All right, Mm -hmm. well, you know what? We're going to be watching you, Varla Ventura. We're going to be watching you. All right. But not at the movies. Not at the movies. <laughs> that is for sure. That thing reminds me of, um, did you watch Romper Room? Did you did you, have, did you ever have Romper Room up uh, there? No, not that. Up I, north up there in Canada, you didn't have Romper Room? No. Where the lady put her, put her head in the thing and, and she looked through a mirror at the end and she said, when I see 
I see Johnny and I see Lillian and she would like say all these kids' names and you'd be sitting there every week hoping she would say your name. You could totally do a bit with that device and you know, you always read off people's names that are um in the chat anyway, so you could do a romper room. That, that seems that. really creepy. No, I grew up, we had the trifecta starting at... Talk about monsters, so... <laughs> no, we, we had the trifecta up here starting at 10 a.m. It was Mr. Dress Up, followed by the... Uh, oh, what what the hell is it? I, I forget. The uh, Friendly Giant, a couple of Canadian broadcasts. Yeah, and, and then uh, that would take us to eleven o'clock, where Sesame Street would come on until uh, noon. All right, yep. and then after okay. after Sesame Street, we had the Electric Company. Yes, all right, that was totally the lineup. The Electric Company came on at eleven. Totally, it always came on at eleven. That was the that was the lineup. Yes. Yep. Yeah, but your your prior prior to Sesame Street, there were a couple of variants there that were a little different when, yeah. where I grew up. But yeah, and then you know, Romper Room was probably one of them. Actually, it was like a you know morning weekday morning show for the kids that weren't in school yet. Yeah, Mister Dress Up was like our version of uh, Mister Rogers. Mister Rogers, I mean, just Aww. an amazing show. And he had his puppets, Cute. Casey and Finnegan, and it was just a great, great show, you know. And uh, he always went over to his tinkle trunk to get uh, an outfit that he would wear. They would do some acting <laughs> and role-playing. It was, it was cool. I mean, he was like a god in Canada. He, he yeah. You know, much, much like I said, much like Mr. Rogers. Like Mr. Rogers. Yeah. yeah. You know? But, Very cool. Mr. Dress-Up. I'll have yes. to look up YouTube videos of him later. Yeah, you know, we do have, uh, before we move on here, I know we're wasting time here and people want to hear monsters. We do have a listener. I'm not going to mention his name, but, I mean, your son is old enough. I mean, your son is 10, I believe? 11, oh, yeah. Okay, 11. So he'll be in the age category. We do have a gentleman who listens to this show almost nightly who is one of the directors and producers of... Uh, Oh, uh, the Paw Patrol! Oh my God, my uh, my son was always he was he was either Chase or he was um, he was Ryder, the kid who told everyone what to do. Frequently, he was that kid in the scenarios in kindergarten on the playground. That was yeah. all the rage. Yeah, that was all the rage. Here, here this so is funny. I'm going to cover my son's face here, but this is my son. In oh, in yeah. That's Chase, isn't it? That's He's the Chase, cop, right? Chase is on the case. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Chase is on the case. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. Pr- I'm pretty You're proud of him. I'm pretty proud. When, when I found that out about him, I was just like, oh, my God, you know, like cartoon yeah, celebrity here. You know? Yeah, was, that's a big deal. That is a big huge deal. Huge deal. Huge deal. Yes. Right? Yes. So, yep. So. One time I reviewed, um, uh, I was reviewing a for a, a little side job I had, I was writing some articles and, and they wanted me to review um, the Paw Patrol movie. And I think my son was about, I think he was like seven then. So it was kind of like, kind of kind of just, oh, he's just kind of getting over it, but really, really fond memories of it. Still a little bit into it. And uh, he helped me write it. I was like, come on, we got to, we have to have all the snappy 
taglines. I mean, of course, you know, you watched you watched it so much, you already kind of knew oh, yeah. them. So yeah, I agree, loved it, loved it. <laughs> Anyways, let, let's get back to some monsters. No, let's let's scare the children. Yeah, shall let's we? scare the children. <laughs> Cartoons and Disney Channel is nothing like real life. You know, I think that I think the scariest thing about television for children today is the fact that if you go on every Disney Channel or or children's channel Nickelodeon that the minute that they turn adult, they are immediate you immediately become stupid. You ever notice that? Cuz kids all solve the problems these days. Adults are dumb. Yeah, yeah, until they get to a certain age and then they become a grizzled detective. I feel like you and I are getting into that. Like we're almost to the likes, the new, the new, the the next hero phase mm. of our lives, right? Right. <laughs> All right, monsters, monsters. You're going to talk. Yeah. Ask Gregory is a financial podcast from the guys who bring you Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks. Learn the ins and outs, do's, don'ts, rules, and tools of the financial world. So if you have a financial situation or you just want to learn more about money, ask Gregory. Find the Ask Gregory podcast on the Winning at Life app or wherever you get your podcast. Investment advisory services offered through AE Wealth Management, LLC. The firm is not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency. Ask Gregory is a financial podcast from the guys who bring you Winning at Life with Gregory Riggs. Something that's come up is, if you're not at your old job, maybe your 401k shouldn't be either. But do you really know why we say that? Ask Gregory is our new podcast with financial topics broken down into specific little chunks. So if you have a financial situation or you just want to learn more about money, Ask Gregory. Find the Ask Gregory podcast on the Winning at Life app or wherever you get podcasts. Investment advisory services offered through AE Wealth Management, LLC. The firm is not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency. Yes, go ahead. I just, do you hate spiders? Yes, of course I do. Yeah, you do. Spiders, you guys, snakes, and sharks. You won't want to talk about spider monsters then. Well, we'll talk about spider monsters. I mean, we can monsters. just touch on it. We can talk about spider monsters. Sure. <laughs> just look to see if there's one on your ceiling. Just double double check, make sure. I, I scared, I, I, speaking of spiders, my son put a plastic spider and stuck it to the inside of <laughs> uh, uh, of my 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 moonroof in my truck and i forgot it was there and did yet, you know you're afraid well yesterday yeah, morning know. i caught it out of the corner of my eye and i looked <laughs> up and i and i screamed and i hammered on my brakes and almost caused an accident right oh, cuz the thing is like 2 inches big right <laughs> And nuts, nuts. But anyway, you want to know how you can get them back? You go and you get a tiny little, um, like plastic cockroach, like you can get at like the gag store, and you pack his cute little school lunch or his little snack, and you put that in the bottom of the box. <laughs> It'll cause complete mayhem in the cafeteria. It's hilarious. Okay. All right, so we, we, we won't go. In, we won't go into gruesome detail with spider monsters, but there's probably one of the most. So there, there's a big creepy spider monster in the Lord of the Rings, and that's actually based on um, Arachne, who is also kind of associated with Greek mythology. She wasn't exactly a goddess. 
And she basically was like this really beautiful woman who was a really, really good weaver, like had like crazy mad weaving skills. And Athena was super jealous of her because, you know, Athena got jealous from time to time. I mean, you know, and um, this is the shortened version of it. But basically, uh, she challenged um, Arachne or uh, yeah, Arachne challenged Athena to the um, to basically like a weave off who can weave the finest silks between the two of us and when Arachne clearly made the most beautiful thing um, she could weave you know words in and out of her uh, in, in and out of her tapestries and she was just and she was also beautiful to boot uh, Athena punished her by turning her into like this hideous spider creature that was basically like doomed to lurk in the back of caves for the rest of her life. And that's where a lot of our spider monsters from it, um, you know, the thing that was transformed in the sewer to like anything that's kind of like half human, half spider, they kind of all come from this core, well, not all of them, but a lot of them come from this idea of the half-woman, half-spider that was Arachne, or is Arachne, should I say. And there's lots of spider myths around the world about spiders creating... Now, I love spiders. One of the reasons I love spiders is spiders are the responsible for words, Spiders created the first language that's in many different cultures. They talk about spiders weaving and having um, symbols in their webs that became the first language. And so, of course, being a word gal, I love spiders. Also, I love spiders because I love creepy things. And Dave, you're probably not going to feel the same about me anymore. But I don't kill spiders. In fact, I scoop them up with my bare hands and I let them crawl down my so, arm until they get outside. So do I. <laughs> I will. I will admit that I may not. Oh, I'm sure you're not a, a blatant spider. Killer. I may. I may not uh, like spiders, but I can tell you this: if I see a spider in my house, I leave it. Smart. The, yeah, because that means if a spider is in your house, you don't get other bugs. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I love spiders. I like to put them in my garden frequently so they can entrap all those mm -hmm. rotten little aphids that like to suck the life out of your leaves. Those are the real-life succubus aphids. Well, then my ex-mother-in-law is an aphid. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah, probably. And you're the leaf. Or you oh, were. You're not. You're, you, you've been sprayed. You're, you're immune now. Yes. I know I've told this story before, but I will say it again. Yeah. When I got, the night I got married to my ex-wife, I was having my dance with my now mother-in-law, and she whispered in my ear, I am going to be your worst nightmare. And then she laughed, and I, and I... And I, uh, sorry. That's it, horrible. Yeah, and I... Uh, That's uh, really horrible. I, I laughed about it, not realizing sure. how true that she was. No, you would just assume someone's joking, and they're just being kind of like funny well, and a little bit tipsy Well, in that situation. The, the good Christian lady who hid behind her Bible, 
All right. Like, it got to the point where she was trying to deny that I was the father of my daughter. Like, that's how bad it was. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what, what a, what a horrible, horrible woman. Horrible woman. Sounds, yeah. You had me a Bible. Well, I mean, I, I, I could tell stories about this. Well, we're talking about monsters. Get it off your chest. Well, you know, we're talking about female monsters. This That's, is why yeah. nothing scares me anymore. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I, right? I, I had to live through her, right? And yeah. oh yeah. yeah, oh it just I could go off on that one. That that would just uh, set me into a, an absolute counseling session. To be blunt, <laughs> you know, I'm here for you. I'm a good listener. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I have no idea what what that's like to actually have a not not have a monster in law, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, yeah, but <laughs> oh, this show is off the rails. All right, off let's reel it back in. Let's talk re- about banshees back. for we a got, little bit. We got we that? got three minutes before we got to go to break here. So three minutes to talk about Banshees. Yeah, okay. I can do three minutes on Banshees. No problem. Banshees, I think many people uh, are familiar with the idea of a Banshee, especially if you've like, listened to us talk before, because it's one of my favorite topics. They're these fantastic um, sort of fairy realm creatures that are also considered some of the most horrific monsters in the world. Um, they transform from being beautiful always beautiful woman that transforms into something hideous but some of the most gruesome banshee stories um uh the last time i was in ireland i heard some incredibly gruesome ones just on a tour of a little castle i heard and then i was walking to some magical cat cave and i heard this lady say oh is this where the banshee runs through and i thought Maybe I should, you know, stick around after everyone leaves and see what happens. But basically, a banshee is usually in the form of a woman, but also can kind of be sort of see-through and ghost-like. Um, almost has a very vampiric appearance, can be very pale, long dark hair, um, Similar to La Llorona in um, Mexico, you have this sort of like weeping woman. She might be seen washing out bloody rags in a creek or um i've even heard stories where she where a banshee doesn't necessarily scream but you see her and she's you she looks like an old washerwoman and she's sort of washing something out in a creek and it's uh like a severed limb you know an arm or a leg and then she of course turns and screams and then you know of course death is coming because that's what banshees are they're important of death which is of course very um monster like of them to kind of show up and uh declare that someone you love is going to die and they do that through a scream um sometimes they do that by transforming into this kind of uh very fangy vampire looking thing and then they can transform back into something um rather beautiful and they also have you know a very mournful mournful cry 
So there's a lot of stories all around the world that are very similar to just the traditional Irish banshee, um, often seen at places of battle. Or it's even said if you see um, uh, this creature that you know you're going to die because they're, they're, she's pre-washing out your blood-soaked clothing before you go to battle. There's all kinds of... Um, disturbing things that are associated with the banshee so yeah that's pretty well let's I, I find them particularly scary especially because if you hear one or you see one it means that death is coming and it's not usually for you it's for someone that you love well on that note let us go to break <laughs> here at the top of the hour female monsters Barla Ventura, the cryptid countess, joining us from varlaventura.net. You can find all of her, uh, what can we say, her books on any major what? bookstore in North America. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Sorry, I'm a little verklempt right now. The Edmonton Oilers just knocked out Calgary tonight. Fuck yeah! Oh, uh, yeah, I know that's your... Yes! That's your team. I've been watching them. Yes! Yes, yeah. the hockey yeah. gods are back in Edmonton. Yeah, you could... You guys could go. Could go to the Stanley Cup Finals. We are going. We're, we're... Yeah. Eight yeah. more wins. Eight more wins. I gotta go celebrate. Yeah. I'll be right back, Varley Venture. Okay, okay. Let's read about banshees, shall we? This is bonus material for people who aren't not listening right now. People who are listening. Bonus material. Let's see. Where's a good scary description of a banshee? La la la. Oh, well, there's here's a recipe for a screaming banshee. That's yummy. Actually, it's kind of gross. It's um, vodka and banana liqueur with creme de cacao and cream. Shake with ice and serve in a chilled martini glass. I've tried it once. I really wanted it to be good because I just thought, how cool I could go and order a screaming banshee. And I tasted it and I just, it, I mean, fake banana, ugh, gross. So not really that good, but there we have it. Screaming a banshee. Oh, yeah. Here's a werewolf. I'll do werewolves because I found that before I found the banshees from my book. Werewolves are not always... Here's some fun facts about werewolves, and one of them is werewolves are not always male. The 1588 story from the mountains of Avenain tells the tale of a she-wolf whose paw was cut off by a hunter. When he opened the bag in which he had placed his prized paw, he discovered instead a woman's hand. It didn't take long to figure out who was missing the hand, <laughs> a nobleman's wife, and she was burnt at the stake. That's one way to end a marriage. 
other crazy, creepy things include other were creatures, such as were bears, were dolphins, were cats, and were sharks. So it depends on you know where you live. <laughs> where you live, get it? <laughs> Dave should have muted me. We all know that, right? <laughs> the piano has been drinking. The Banshee. Here we go. This is from this is from my book, but it's actually from William Butler Yeats. The Banshee from Bong Bane, a woman, and she said a fairy is an intendant fairy that follows the old families and none but them and wails before a death. Many have seen her as she goes wailing and clapping her hands. The cane, the funeral cry of the peasantry, is said to be an imitation of her cry. The car, the car, the carn, the carning. Yeah, it's carning. When more than one banshee is present and they wail and sing in chorus, it is for the death of some holy or great one. Ooh, that's kind of cool. I forgot about that. An omen that sometimes accompanies the banshee. Oh, this is really cool. The omen that accompanies the banshee is basically like a headless horseman. It's called a, a kotzbarar or a coach of bower, an immense black coach mounted by a coffin and drawn by headless horses driven by a Dullahan. And a Dullahan is basically a headless horseman. Kind of a creepy monster happy guy. Happy man right now. Happy, what? happy man. Woohoo! Yes, I know. Did you just go, like, go outside and scream for a minute? I sure did. Yeah. I sure as son of a gun did. Uh, hi, Bill WD40 and Jeff and uh, the gorgeous Ronnie listening in on on uh, Spreaker. Good to have you guys here. Spreaker. Yes. Yeah, so who do they play next? Don't know yet. Oh, yeah, we'll find out tomorrow, I think. I know. I'm excited. Well... Should I tell you who I'm rooting for? Probably not. Well, let's see. Probably not. Let's see. Tomorrow is... Let me find out here. Son of a gun. I'm so... I did one of those brackets this year at the insistence of my son. Do do this bracket, Mom. It's just for fun. You know, the bracket where you like... Yeah. Whatever. Say who you think is going to... I'm in last place. (laughs) I'm not actually in last place. I'm in like third to last place um, because he said it's just for fun. Just pick who you want to win. Yeah. Not who you think is going to win. And so I picked Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never I mean, picked I figured if I, if I was picking who I thought was going to win, I would not. Sorry, but I would not have picked Minnesota. Although we have a new fabulous goalie. Yes. But, you know, he came late. So. Yes. All right. Well, hey, what's going on? Well, Colorado and St. Louis tomorrow night. Colorado leads the series three games to two. Yeah. I think Colorado yeah. finish, about that. finishes it off tomorrow night, and Edmonton yeah. and Colorado go for the Western yes. Conference final. That's what I think yeah. happens. That's great. That'd be great. I'd love to see that. Me too. I would love to see that. Me too. It's amazing. I'm so. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio 
and on Facebook's Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Umentus. Umentus is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Varla Ventura. VarlaVentura.net is her website. You can find all of her books at any major bookstore or online. And, of course, she comes here once a month to talk about Monsters Among Us. Hour 2, we will take questions if you're in one of our chat rooms or on Twitter. And for tonight, though, it is all about... Legendary female monsters. And right before the break, we were talking about succubuses and incubi, and we were getting into banshees. And what else you got for us, Varla? Yeah, well, I did a little bonus material, just so you know. I won't repeat myself, but there was a little bonus material there while you were out celebrating, out back celebrating. Well, okay, let's talk about... Okay, so banshees, I think, are like... We kind of got into that... Um, we touched on werewolves and female werewolves. So we can kind of go back to Greek mythology because I do feel like in Greek mythology, you definitely, like, there's some heavy hitters you think of, right? Um, especially the things that people had to battle. And one of those creatures that a lot of us think of that they had, you know, that's one of the most horrifying creatures is actually, like, the Hydra or the um, Cerebus, which is like the multi-headed dog. Well, someone had to give birth to those horrible creatures, right? And and that's where we have Echidna. And she was basically like the mother monster. And she's a pretty, pretty... You know what? This would be a really cool book, just like all female monsters. It's a cool book, Dave. Don't you think? All female monsters. I bet I could probably pull some things out of the archives of, you know, ancient history there. But anyway, so she is really disgusting and kind of like she's half snaky serpent. And so a lot of people, and I believe this is a mistake, mistakenly think that she gave birth to Medusa. As far as I know, she did not. She gave birth to several terrifying creatures um, you know, a fire-breathing half-goat thing and this the hydra with all the snakes. But she was basically like half-serpent. She was really quite hideous. And she had, um, you know, she kind of populated the world, the Greek world, of, uh, uh, with all of these, like, horrible monsters. So she's kind of like the mother monster. Um, and so when I was, I was looking and... Are you paying down old credit card debt? 
a personal loan could be your solution. Loans usually come with fixed monthly payments, making them a simple way to help pay off your credit cards. Plus, loans usually have lower interest rates than credit cards do. And Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you, so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval, so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free, won't affect your credit scores, and could save you money. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Hi, it's Chelsea Handler from Dear Chelsea. You've done everything you can to lose that stubborn fat. You've exercised, you've eaten right, but lately it's gotten harder and I get that. You want that summer ready body, right? Cool Sculpting may be able to help you reach your goals. It is a non-surgical treatment that targets, freezes, and eliminates treated fat cells for good. So ask your doctor if Cool Sculpting is right for you. Common side effects include temporary numbness, discomfort, and swelling. Find a provider at CoolSculpting.com. Cool Sculpting is FDA cleared to treat visible fat bulges on the abdomen, flank, thigh, bra fat, back fat, upper arm, and under the buttocks, chin, and jawline. It's also FDA cleared to affect the appearance of lax tissue with submental area treatments. Cool Sculpting is not a treatment for weight loss. Rare side effects may occur. Cool Sculpting may cause visible enlargement in the treated area after treatment, which will not resolve on its own and may require surgical intervention for correction. Ask your doctor if Cool Sculpting is right for you. See additional important safety information at CoolSculpting.com. I was researching some stuff about her and then that kind of led me down the like Medusa path because I feel like Medusa is the one sort of monster that we're all pretty familiar with, right? We see her like wild hair full of snakes and we know that if you look at Medusa, she can turn you to stone instantly, basically like kill you with uh, a look. But not everybody knows Medusa's backstory, which is, like, actually really sad. She was, of course, again, she was very beautiful. And she was um, sought after by many of the gods, including Poseidon. Everybody thinks Poseidon was so great because he was the ocean god. And he was pretty cool for a lot of reasons. But if you really get, like, deep into Greek mythology, you start seeing a lot of um, non-consensual behavior, I'll just say. (laughs) So, uh, Poseidon went after Medusa, and um, she refused him. And as a result, he gave her this curse that she couldn't look on anyone else without killing them. And so she became incredibly vengeful from there on out. And, I mean, you know, you kind of... You, you just go with what you have, and that's how Medusa kind of really got that really, really bad rap. But here's something I learned tonight. I knew that about Medusa, but I did not know that Medusa actually had two sisters, and I wrote down their names because I knew I was going to forget. Did you know Medusa, Medusa had two I sisters? I had no idea. I know, right? And they were named Stethno and Uriel, and they were also half-snake horrifying beings um but they were you know not as pretty as her so they didn't they never had the like sort of the curse put on them because they didn't catch the eye of poseidon and his you know 
um, penchant for Medusa. So that, I, 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 I was delighted that I did not know that and I learned that tonight. And I don't know how I, how I never, I had no idea Medusa had sisters. How cool. Now, did they, so, have, did they have hair as snakes as well? No, I think they were just sort of plain looking. And so she had coils of beautiful hair. And that is what turned into, you know, that, that, well, it kind of depends on like different accounts. I've actually read different accounts. I've read that she was like born as this like half weird thing and Poseidon really liked that. I've also read that she was just this really beautiful woman, kind of like, um, uh, Arachne who was transformed in the same way, right? Like just basically cursed and ended up like with this death stare. But um, I, as far as I know, they did not. They were just kind of plain. But again, I never heard of them until tonight. So this is something that I will be researching further. You know, the sisters of Medusa I had no idea. It was like all there's all these lost siblings of these horrible monsters. You know, that like just went on to live ordinary lives, just like, you know, the sister of the serial killer or whatever just goes on about, just tries to, you know, be a, be a good person or whatever. <laughs> well, I mean. Toil in the fields. You know, for a lot of these, what about, what about witches and curses? We, oh, we shall have... we talk about witches and curses? Sure. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my personal favorite topics. Let's do it. Okay. I mean, do you mean, is that what caused them to, um, is that what caused these things? Well, that they were, like, well, caused it, monsters it created more, monsters? What, what, what would cause that? It, was it about being scorned by society? Witches giving curses? No, it's because witches give curses. Okay. It's because witches play with the elemental powers of Earth, and therefore they play also with life, death, revenge, light, dark, all the good things. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, witches do... Okay, so the thing is, is that most... There, there's a very small facet of witches who actually don't believe in cursing. There's, it's actually in the minority. I'm sorry to tell you folks. I know you've heard a lot because Wicca got really like widespread publicity. But the harm none thing is a little bit of a farce. You know, that's a little bit of a Christianized do unto others as you would have done to you. Right? Karma, karma, all that kind of stuff. Witches, for the most part, don't do it willy-nilly, but they do it when they need to. So I, but I do think that tradi traditionally people came to witches who were healers or, you know, there's a, witch is an umbrella term, right, for a lot of different type of um, figureheads in, in different societies. So maybe it was the healer, maybe it was the medicine woman, maybe it was the, um, you know, the the little old lady who lived down the, the road who was an herbalist or whatever. But these witches were come to and they, they asked 
you know, they're asked for things like they were your best friend when you wanted to get a love poppet or the things that would like turn a man to fall in love with you or would keep your husband from straying. Then, then witches were like, oh yeah, everybody wanted to visit witches, but they would frequently visit them, you know, under cover of night for fear of also being persecuted themselves as a believer in witchcraft. This is post, you know, Christianization. And they're also great scapegoats, too. So some of those curses, like a pox that, you know, knocked out all of the cows in the field, oh, that was obviously Hagatha, right? Like, Hagatha, she was out there in the night with her bonfire, twisting things. I saw her walking through that field yesterday, and then all the cows died. So there's definitely some scapegoat stuff happening there with curses. Um, having said that, you know, I've, I've witnessed a few curses, and um, probably been on the receiving end of more than one. So, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like being a lawyer, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Well, you know what, what would be the penchant for wanting to put a curse on someone? Like, oh, like you got all night? (laughs) Well, we, we have 11 minutes, so we do have some time. Okay, do you mean, like, um, in today's society? Even going back then. Uh, Somebody stole from you, somebody um, assaulted your children, assaulted your daughter, um, took your daughter's virginity without her permission. Um, Yeah. you know, called your names in the square and um, then blamed you, blamed you for all the crops spoiling, um, hit you, tripped you. <laughs> I mean, like back then, right? I'm just, there, there's, there's plenty of reasons. Uh, often it was somebody who was drunk with power that a curse would be put on, um, put upon, so, like, it wasn't necessarily just with this wild abuse of power where you were just like, ha, 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 I'm going to curse everyone. That guy goes, and that guy goes, and that guy goes. It was like, honestly, people were working for the greater good, and in that schema of working for the greater good, there were some bad guys. So that's who might be, you know who might deserve a curse. Also, someone might come to you and ask you for a curse. Now, that's something I've never experienced. I've never gone to someone and said, hey, could you curse someone for me? And nor have I ever had someone come to me and say, no, hey, can you can you curse someone for me? All right. Well, let's get to Laura's question here. Can you explain the difference between a curse and a hex, or is there a difference? I don't think there's too much of a difference. I think they're, it's basically putting a like um, a harming spell on someone. I mean, it's all kind of kind of the same thing. Now, a curse can also be like we we say curse words, right? So that comes from spitting out a spell, like you know, like a you know, you think of like the little Italian lady's just had enough and she just spits out a spell. Someone who stole her land or whatever, like that that is often a curse. A hex can be a little more involved 
It can involve ingredients. Um, but by today's standards, they're kind of one and the same. Um, so, yeah. But probably originally there was a little bit, you know, more uh, audible cursing out. Like, well, you could put a curse on someone. A hex is maybe done under dark of night. That's how I'd read it. Very cool. If I, Very if cool. If I were to. Varla Ventura is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio, and we are talking all things evil from the female perspective. How can we, <laughs> we never... That's how we thought it was going to go, but here we are. You, you know what I find funny about Sasquatch is, is we all automatically depict Sasquatch as being a male species. Because it's big, it's burly, and yet if you go to the Patterson-Gimlin film from the 1967, okay, that is clearly a female Sasquatch. Clearly. I, I Yeah, I also think that, I mean, like, first of all, we have not checked, right? Like, we don't have any way of actually knowing how to tell them apart, like, look at their, anat- like, it's not like we've gotten close enough to flip one over, Right. But the other thing is that, um, think about like, a, I mean, a mother bear, right? Like what is more ferocious than a mother bear? So it's it stands to reason that certainly some of the more aggressive Sasquatchian behaviors could be attributed to a female protecting her nest, you know, or her cubs, her babies, her little baby Bigfoots, baby. <laughs> her little foots. The little foots. Okay. You know, it's so funny that you brought up Sasquatch because I've totally, I've been, I actually just wanted to text you this the other day, but I, um, I've been listening to like the Sasquatch, Sasquatch Chronicles a lot. And, but I, I, um, have been listening to them at night and I just, I, I fall asleep like right away. Like there's something about people telling their Sasquatch stories that just, and I don't mean they're boring, but I just, Kind of the, the the host has a really soothing voice, and I just like I go to sleep, and I have had the most amazing dreams because the whole time I've got my like headphones in and I'm listening, and they're telling about this whole story, and my I'm going in and out of consciousness, and my mind is just creating this terrific landscape where there's you know carnivorous plants growing in one greenhouse here, and there's a sasquatch peeking in, and I mean it's. It's been wonderful. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, there you know there has been sightings of of female Sasquatch allegedly carrying youngsters. You know, oh, okay, and there you know the famous Patterson Gimlin film that was a female Sasquatch, but we always tend to think of it as a male creature, much like Dogman. We tend to think of Dogman as a male creature because it's in the name. Goatman, the same thing. You don't hear of yeah. Goat Woman or Dog Woman. You don't hear of of the, the Frog Women of Ohio. You know, you don't hear a lot of this. There's always that man. Moth Woman. <laughs> yeah, where is, where is Moth Woman? Where's Moth Woman? I mean, if, if they reproduce, you know, well, they could, they could, they could actually not require... Sex to reproduce. I mean, that's entirely possible if they're really like, and you know, advanced well, well, monsters the, or whatever. For but the, for the moth woman, it would be larva, larva. 
Because it, because it ends with a A. <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> Mothra. Wasn't Mothra a woman? What was or a woman? Wasn't Mothra a female? Remember that? Cre- I mean, this was from a movie, which you probably didn't see because you hate movies. But Mothra was like this horrible. Um, giant moth creature it was like a movie that was popular in the 70s mm-hmm. and and it would she was roam female. through the town and scream and the reason i know this is because my parents used to call me mothra when i was little. i would too <laughs> that's, that's how i know i would I know totally you do wouldn't that think too. that i would scream but did you have wings back then well we had them surgically removed but they allowed me to keep one in a jar because, you know, I was so little. I, it's, a, it's a pretty big jar, but still. And, and I, I take it on the, um, on the road sometimes. So, you know, sideshow type thing. Oh, I hear you. They're immense. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, so, but, but just going back to the, the um, female Sasquatch, I mean, of course, we're, we're guessing at, like, the, the gender of it or whatever. But I think it's absolutely... Um, I mean, maybe there's some that are a little smaller. I mean, the thing is, is they're so so seldom seen in anything more than one. It's hard to have, like, it's like people, right? It's like you have no idea how tall I am until you actually meet me in real life. You have no idea if I'm taller than you or shorter than you. You know what I mean? So it's just like you've just, uh, obviously, it's taller than you. It's this creature in the woods, but you don't know if it's taller than every other creature like it in its little group. And um, so it's it's difficult it's difficult to know that. And then we see all the time in nature, right? Like sometimes the um, frequently the females are the most ferocious. They're the most aggressive. They're they're larger. They're um, you know they're not usually hairier. But I I mean you know we're we could go there. <laughs> well, I mean even in nature, a lot of the predatory animals, a lot of the hunting is done by females. You look at lions and cheetahs, to name mm-hmm. a couple. So, I mean, that does make sense. Does make yeah. very good sense. Yeah. Yeah. Wolves, too. I mean, you know, so there you go. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I just think we just name things. And up until recently, it was very widely accepted that we were mankind, right? We weren't man and womankind. We're mankind, right? Like, we're mankind. We're not, you know, c- cisgendered or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're mankind. That's that's kind of what, like what the general accepted term to refer to all of humanity has been up until more recently. And even womankind was only thrown in in the 60s, right? So um, it kind of just, I think it's just like old habits, just dog man. I don't know, maybe it's because we find them threatening, and if we say that it's dog woman, then that just has like a whole other level of, of, of terror to it that we're not ready to accept. Could be. Could very well be. Or maybe the females are better at hiding, as we said earlier. That could be. Could very well be. <laughs> the hunt is on as we have Varla Ventura here for another 
half an hour on Spaced Out Radio. we got about 45 <laughs> seconds left before we have to go uh, to commercial at the bottom of the hour. Now, Varla, you know, as we move forward here, I mean, I think the next half hour we should take a look at, you know, mermaids. Everybody loves oh, yeah. a good mermaid story. We can't go into yeah. the female oh, yeah. monsters without mermaids. Yeah, and there's another real scary water monster, but I'll save it for after. Sure. The, Let's go to the water. Let's the, scare the hell out of Dave, <laughs> since Dave will never. Oh, yeah. Where sharks? Where sharks? Yes. Mer sharks. No, we don't have to go to. We don't have to go to. We don't have to go to where sharks. Sharkano. We can talk about mermaids. I mean, that mermaids are a really good reason to stay out of the ocean. So I understand your your. I I recognize your fear. Martha Ventura, we love her around here. <laughs> MarthaVentura.net is her website. And we are Spaced Out Radio. Second half of the show coming up right after this. Hey, Bobby, in the chat room, the way the Oilers were scoring tonight, that extra goal would have meant nothing. We would have popped it right back in. Would have popped it right back in. Either way, the Oilers are on their way to the conference finals. Mm. Mm. Feels good. (laughs) Such a good feeling. I'm happy for you. I really am. 16 years it's been since we were in the conference finals. 16 years. A Canadian team has not won the Stanley Cup since the curse of the Montreal Canadiens in 1993. 29 years. And we're going to do it this year. Good yes, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I can feel it. I'm going to feel it. I swear to God, if, if if it comes down to clinching games... I, I screw everything. I'm going to Edmonton. I'm going to Edmonton. Oh yeah. I'm I'm going to hop in my You're vehicle. Gonna, like, stand out outside the stadium if nothing else. <laughs> oh, I I got a buddy of mine who's who's pretty well off. I know he he knows how to get tickets. So I'm going to be uh, hitting him up and I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say, "Hey T-Rod. Hey T-Rod. Hey, old Davey's coming. <laughs> you better pick up some tickets for us, man." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're going to get there. We are for sure going to get there. Can't you just like buy, like, can't you buy them now? And then if they don't go, never mind. Never mind. I won't, I won't even say those words. That would be, that would be silly. Well, no, I mean, hey, there is a possibility. There is a possibility. Yep. Well, I'll tell you if my team's out, then I then I'm voting for your team. <laughs> I mean, my team that I'm voting for now, not the team I I knew wasn't going to win. Don't you want to know who it is? Uh, I'm I'm going to say you're a uh, you're not a St. Louis fan. You're a Colorado fan. 
Ask Gregory is a financial podcast from the guys who bring you Winning at Life with Gregory Riggs. Something that's come up is, if you're not at your old job, maybe your 401k shouldn't be either. But do you really know why we say that? Ask Gregory is our new podcast with financial topics broken down into specific little chunks. So if you have a financial situation or you just want to learn more about money, Ask Gregory. Find the Ask Gregory podcast on the Winning at Life app or wherever you get podcasts. Investment advisory services offered through AE Wealth Management, LLC. The firm is not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency. It's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out of pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. I do. I am going for Colorado over St. Louis, but I, it's the, the New York Rangers. That's who I. That's who I love. I know, right? Well, I mean, everybody's got a flaw, right? Yeah, yours is movies. <laughs> but if the Ranger, if the Rangers don't, I think they, um, I think they're three and or it's yeah, it's three and two, not in their favor. So, well, let's, let's see. take a look here. What's the series at? Yeah, Carolina's up in that series. Oh God. Oh, Carolina. They're up 3-2. Although they do have a really cool... I do like their logo because, you know, they're the Hurricanes, so it's just like this swirl. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I like a good hurricane. I hate their logo. I think it's ugly. What? I've always... It's just a swirl. I've it's always, like... I've it's always, the most obvious thing ever. I've always hated their logo. Really? Yeah. I like it. So there. You know, we're really deepening our friendship by getting out the things that we don't have in common. Just like... I know. Every now and again. I you know. Because you know I, we have a lot in common. Yeah. I, I, I can't say that, you know, Carolina was my favorite team to cover back in the day. I will say that I, I did uh, party with the team one night in Vancouver. That was fun. You know who I really like... The whole vibe of are the nights. Yes. The, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I love the Kraken logo. Do you love the Kraken logo? Or are you yeah. disappointed by love it? it. Uh, the Kraken logo is awesome. You know. Yeah. Uh, and that's just such a great name. Yes. Thank you for choosing a mythological beast. Like, yay. A monster. I know. You picked a monster. I know. I, I love yeah. it. But uh, yeah. what's really cool is... Uh, uh, the Knights assistant coach, a guy by the name of Ryan Craig, I coached his little brother, and I used to train Ryan. Oh, oh you did? Yeah. And Good. Yeah, he, uh, I'm so happy for him. Well, you know what? He can hook us up next year in Vegas. <laughs> I, I don't play that card. I don't play that card. Okay, well, he can just come say hi. Because I think that that will be, you know, right around the right time. Nicole wants to hear you do a banshee scream for us. You know, I will tell you, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I will tell you, if you want to hear me do a banshee scream, there is footage of me on on a show with George Norrie. And he asked me to do it. And he... What? 
Nice. That was beautiful. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or parts of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do us the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight, Varla Ventura's Our Cryptid World. You can find all of her books at any major bookstore right around North America. You can go on her website, get yourself a VV hat, t-shirts, coffee mugs. Yep, they look good. They look good. They are Varla approved. Varla approved. VarlaVentura.net is the website. Varla, welcome back. I should get temporary tattoos. That'd be a cute thing, right? Yes. We could try it out, and then we could decide if when we're in Vegas, you know, what size we want. (laughs) Well, you just have to get there. We were getting each other's logos. I am committed. (laughs) I was going to get your logo in Vegas. If you showed up, yeah, and you Is know, that, you know, can we like just roll that over to next year? Yeah, mm, we'll have okay. to see. We'll have to see. Oh, hmm. well, you know, there All was right. there was feelings hurt there. There was. Not sorry, lie. I had medical issues. I know you did. Can't apologize for that. I know you. I did. mean, I apologize for not being there because I wanted to be there, but it was out of out of my hands. No, I know. I know. You and I had talked about that. I just like teasing you about it. Do you? Yes. Oh, by the way, message from Jeffrey in Texas <laughs> for you that the Mo- the Mothra movie was Godzilla. Oh, Mo- wait. Was it Mothra versus Godzilla? Yes. Or was Mothra in Godzilla? No, Mothra wasn't in. It was Mothra versus Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like 1977 or something like that, right? I don't know. Sometimes obviously like I'm scarred by it. <sighs> Sensitive spot there. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mothra. Let's get right into it. <laughs> I mean, Mothra, Varla. You can see it, right? It it, it, it works for me. It's it's the, still two syllables. Still yeah. two syllables. Let's get yeah. to mermaids and the scariness of the mermaid. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's get to the mermaids, but we should talk. Very briefly, before we get into sea creatures, we should talk very briefly about some of the river, like river mermaid-like creatures. And so, there's two major ones that I know of that are pretty scary. Um, the Lorelei are the kind of half um, fish, half female creatures that are um, in the Seine River, which, of course, flows through Paris and other places. And so there's all kinds of stories and songs and folklore about the Lorelei. Um, Some people say that the Lorelei is just sort of a cautionary tale because the Seine River looks very um, calm 
and it actually has a very, um, and it's, it's kind of wide and, you know, it's like a river going through this beautiful city. What could possibly go wrong? And it actually can have a pretty vicious current, especially, um, you know, in the shoulder season. So the Lorelei is said to, much like mermaids, create this sort of echo sound that you can hear from the banks of the, um, from the banks of the sign and they, it sort of draws you down there and you're drawn down to the edge of the river and then you're sort of drawn down in a little bit deeper and then you're, you know, the next thing you know, you're swept away in the arms of the Lorelei. So um, very similar to mermaids in that kind of, well, you know, we're, we're perfectly, um, perfectly this beautiful, wonderful sound that makes you think everything's great and you're just going to like just float away into heaven and then the next thing you know you're drowning so you know that happens that happens with mermaids and and many many other creatures sirens are actually another um they're not water creatures they're frequently next to water and they are half woman half um like eagle kind of uh bird and they are frequently um you know near rocks along the shore and they do the same thing they kind of make these sounds and the sounds bounce off all these other sounds and you get very disoriented and the next thing you know, your ship crashes and uh, everyone on board drowns. So, And then the other one that is kind of um, more from uh, Russian folklore is the Ruskalisk. And the Ruskalisk, I'm sure there's versions of it all throughout Eastern Europe as well, but the Ruskalisk is basically, I've seen some pretty beautiful paintings depicting something like a Ruskalisk, and it's, I'm probably not quite saying it right, but it's, it's kind of comes up out of the river, and she doesn't, she's not exactly like half fish, half mermaid. She's kind of more just like, this creepy thing that reaches out of the river with long branchy arms and kind of reaches to the bank and sort of pulls you and drags you in. And the Ruskalis, when the Ruskalis gets hungry, whoever's playing, um, you know, happily by the banks of the river will get pulled in. And there's equivalents of this in, um, in Swamplands, and you have Jenny Greenteeth or um, Peg Powler. Those are from Welsh mythology, and they're basically these, like, kind of creepy things that are in more, like, still water, so more like ponds and bogs, and they just sort of, like, reach their arms up when you get close, and they latch around your ankle and they just quickly drag you under and um, no one knows what happened to you. So those are kind of other water monsters and they are all women actually, or women. They're all female monsters. Girl monsters. So yeah. Okay. Uh, there's also <laughs> talk in the chat room about harpies. Harpies. So harpies are a, a little different because they're they're also um, they're a little bit more. Well, I guess mermaids technically. I think mermaids are psychopomps. Harpies are frequently considered psychopomps, meaning something that takes you from this world to the next, whether it's willingly or not. Right, 
And some people actually equate them um, with the Valkyrie, which are from Norse mythology, which are also female. And they are also winged creatures that swoop down in battlefields and they pick who's going to Valhalla and who's just going to go back to the drudgery or whatever. And um, so uh, harpies are kind of similar, but maybe a little more like sirens or, or mermaids in their um, beautiful but disorientating kind of sounds that then they can turn into a scream. So, but they are usually winged and um, kind of beautiful face. They can have beautiful faces. They can also have like crazy, horrifying you know, gnarly, long-toothed faces. So, oh, there's so many. Uh, now, now that once you start thinking of one, you realize like how many there actually are. But we we do kind of dismiss dismiss the fem monsters a lot, huh? And the fem bots. Yeah, well, fem bots are easy to dismiss. <laughs> they are very, very dangerous. The fem yeah. bots. They are. Look at Austin well Powers. Well and dangerous. With guns in their jibblies, you know. Yeah. Oh, come on. That's funny. <laughs> that is funny. Is it, Nobody got that? Nobody. It, I mean, there are other parts of Austin Powers that I thought were funny. I didn't really find the fembots particularly funny. It was like, oh, they kill you with their nipples. Ha, ha, ha. They had machine guns. They weren't nipples. They were machine guns. <laughs> okay. Oh. Potato, potato. <laughs> uh, I know. Lars. Let's go to a double feature. <laughs> yes. Awesome. It'll be awesome Austin Powers, Powers, like one and two. Yes. <laughs> then the next night, three. Yeah. Female Monsters okay. is the topic tonight on Spaced Out Radio with Farla Ventura as we continue on with our cryptid world. Now, mermaids, we've talked dozens of times on this show about mermaids and, and everything that kind of goes along with them and their and their history of, of, you know, luring sailors, wishful, horny sailors into... into, yeah, into not just sailors. Pirates, of course, but also just passerbys, you know, people who were just strolling down the beach. Yeah. Okay. Why? Why? What is the lure and the attraction <laughs> that they use in order to lure their prey? Usually, it's a combination of voice and, um, you know, beauty. So, especially if you don't see them from the waist down, right? Mermaids are, although I have seen some really scary drawings of, on like old maps and stuff of um, mermaids, but their top half is fish, is like a fish, and then the bottom half is like legs walking out of it. And that's like, to me, somehow that's even more terrifying. But they use a combination of, you know, the their is their feminine wiles. They use they, they're beautiful. They usually have like long flowing hair, and they're kind of unexpected, right? Like you're just like, trying to pull in your nets or whatever, and 
there's this kind of like beauty sunning herself on the rocks or um, often you'll see you'll see them just sort of like like I said from the waist up so they might be in tide pools or just kind of like partially out of the water and um, this is enough to kind of like get them from you know get, get you from whatever it is you're doing to look at them and then they kind of engage you with a song. So there'll be a beautiful song or they'll just start talking to you and telling you some kind of story. Um, there's one story in my book about this mermaid who basically tricks this guy into the water because she starts telling him this really sad story about how she's stuck and she needs someone to help her get back into the water. And then once he gets her back into the water, she's telling him how how horrible her husband is and how he'll eat all of her babies and can he please just make sure she gets home safely if she doesn't get home in time and so she just kind of keeps luring him back in so it could be just a really really good story but often it's a song or um and mermaids also they're not always solitary right so that's one thing that with some of these monsters there's just like one of them but with mermaids, you frequently will have more than one appear. And so, like, you might be able to resist one or think that one is a mirage. But if you see, like, you know, six or seven of them, and then their voices kind of come together in unison and make this um, incredible song. And actually, they say that about the Lorelei as well, that they can have these really, really beautiful songs. So they'll come together and sing. So the Lorelei isn't one creature. It's it's the name, like mermaids are, for many creatures that live in the river. So, I mean, those are two things. I mean, you're, are you thinking, like, what would actually get me into the sea? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Like, are, like, are, are they luring men and women with song? Is it? Yeah. Is that what it is? Song, disorientation, um, confusion. You know, there's a lot of things that, like, if I'm telling you this story and we're just, like, talking, but, like, you're not noticing that I'm actually, like, slowly pulling you under the water, and then the next thing you know, you're, you can't breathe, and you're, you're fighting, but now it's too late because all of my, like, sisters have surrounded you and are also holding you down, like, that kind of thing, totally, totally mermaids. All right, Grant wants to know about the Ninjin. Have you heard of the I don't, I don't know what that is. N-I-N-G-E-N. I don't I don't know what that is. Um, there are, I mean, it's not related to the Jin, which are like, you know, kind of, we think of them as like genies or whatever, but they're, they're demons. And um, some of them are female, although often they're depicted as male. But I, I don't know what the I don't know what that is. Right. Should make a note for next time. I'll make a note for next time. No, for sure, for sure. I think uh, I think uh, you know. There's always there's always something out there that is always I changing. Like, I, I I honestly I think this would be a fantastic book. Just. And what great illustrations it could have. What what about female gargoyles or gnomes or trolls? Mm. We never hear about them. Oh, actually, trolls, um, I have heard quite a few um, stories of female trolls. 
in in Iceland, in fact, there's sort of a mother troll who's also kind of a witch, and she lives in this specific mountain. And she, she has a bunch of troll babies, and they're all the, they're what are actually known as the um, the Icelandic Christmas trolls. And each one of them has like an attribute that um, they like over the twelve days of Christmas. There's like a, a troll for each night, and you know there's one that's like the sausage stealer and the pot liquor and all these great kind of things that you're obviously trying to prevent the kids from doing all the preparation for Christmas. But she's kind of the, the head honcho there, and she she's a troll, a troll witch, and she's rather large, and she lives in a mountain, and she's she's feared. Um, and then in Scandinavia, actually, interestingly, um, there's quite a few stories of trolls not being these hideous beasts, but actually being um, almost more like some of the descriptions that I've read. They're they're almost more like the Nephilim, like they're they're like these very angelic, tall, with like glowing hair and kind of. Um, like, they don't say sparkles on them, but they have this kind of, like, radiating light. And that's how these trolls are described. And they live in the countryside, and they live in the hills, and they protect the animals. And they call them trolls, though. They're, they're actually called trolls. They're not called something else. So um, I, I always thought that was really interesting. That, that actually blew my mind because I totally had, like, the troll, haggy, like, troll under the bridge kind of idea in mind for trolls and um, as most of us do and certainly most cultures kind of depict trolls in that way or a troll-like being um, but these were called trolls and they were just these incredibly like beautiful ethereal things um, which really surprised me so yeah I got a question from Vaughn coming in here, a little bit off topic. What are your thoughts on the Loch Ness monster and such animals found in lakes? Yeah, so there's, um, you know, you, you know, I'm a believer, right? I mean, I think it's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out of pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. It's another hurricane season, and right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out of pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. I think there's, um, there's a lot of reasons that it could not be there anymore. There's a lot of reasons that it could be, like, implausible. But I also feel like, you know, people say that about Bigfoot. People say that about a lot of things. And I, I personally believe in those things. So I think that, like, um, all the lake monsters, now, now I recognize that, they're also a great commodity, right? It's like, oh, we have a lake, we have a lake monster. 
let's let's play that up. Let's put it on T-shirts. Let's get people to come here and see if they can see it. But having said that, if you look back into the folkloric record, and Dave, I'm sure you've seen this where you live, and I know in particular, um, I have seen um, Lake Gitchigami, a.k.a. Lake Superior. I have seen pictographs, like pictograms along, along the shores on the Canadian side. If you go up to Sault Ste. Marie and you go around to the North Shore um, of Lake Superior, you can climb down... Um, in certain places you can climb down and you can see these incredible, um, you know, ancient paintings of the, uh, you know, of this Gitchigummy sea monster, which is this giant serpent with all of these spines all over it. And I am like, I am not one to dismiss indigenous myths because I think that we do that really quickly and we just think oh they're just talking about this or that and then we find like bones of some you know giant like dinosaur that was once there so um, I don't know I mean I think it's entirely plausible that there are uh, I mean just like take the Kraken for example I know that's not in a lake but people for many years, right, in, like, modern times, assumed that this was, like, this great exaggeration and that there's no way that there's, like, this squid-like thing that could take down a boat. But put yourself back, you know, 500 years or 700 years or 2,000 years, whatever, and your boat is way smaller. You're not talking about, like, a carnival cruise line here, right? We're talking about these tiny little boats, right? And the ocean is more open it's not as heavily harvested so things get bigger and of course the giant pacific squid the humboldt squid i mean those things are totally vicious and they have pulled down fishing boats they have put their giant tentacles up and pulled down on people thinking that they were like a seal or whatever so if you you know it, it it's, I just don't think it's as big of a stretch of the imagination as um, as we think it is. Now, I have never been to Loch Ness, and that's, as you know, Dave, on my um, my to, my Scotland to-do list. So, um, but certainly there's something magical about the place if there's all these legends that surround it. Could be a way to protect the water, too, you know? Very true. Very true. Uh, our YouTube uh, audience will be able to see this, same as you. But John Hudson, the fedora wearing John Hudson. He, oh, I, he did I, a, he I did, love his fedora. He he did a depiction of what Varla Ventura would look like as uh -oh. a mermaid. As <laughs> oh, no. a mermaid. Look how beautiful you are. Oh, look at that. Look how beautiful. You know, your tail, your blue, and, <laughs> your Edmonton Oilers blue and, and orange tail. You know, sitting on a rock, waving at all the strangers. A little bit rock and roll. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you look absolutely stunning as a mermaid. You would. Look at that. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. That's sweet. That's the fedora wearing <laughs> John Hudson. That's what he does. You know right what? There. Maybe I'll get a tail for Vegas. You know? I mean, there's going to be a pool, right? It's going to be hard to walk around. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But who knows? Well, you're going to have to carry me. That's, maybe you know, we can, it's going to be like a 1940s movie, you know? 
You're yes. just carrying me to the bathtub. You be, you be Daryl Hannah. <laughs> that could I'll happen be, without a tail, to be honest. <laughs> you be Daryl Hannah. I will be... Uh, the other guy? The other guy. <laughs> Wasn't it Tom Hanks? I think it was, but you know what? Have you ever seen Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid? No. Okay, please. I know you, you don't like movies, but this is an old movie. It's a beautiful movie, and it's actually where they got the idea for Splash. And it's it's this it's William Powell. I don't know if you remember William Powell, but he was in all of those um, uh, Third Man movies as like the the part of the drunk with Myrna Loy, and they were like the two drunk detectives that haphazardly solved crime. Anyway. He totally goes on, like, his honeymoon in the Bahamas or wherever, and he finds this mermaid, and he brings her home. Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid. BarbaraMatura.net. We will talk to you next month. Much, much appreciate you, my friend. You take care. Thank coming you. up next. Good night, Dave. Good night. Love we you. have the Bye. Swamp Dweller coming up next on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. Varla Ventura. That's all funny. I just saw that. Um, why are home monsters going to put a Pandora box to open? Yep. You opened it. We did. We did well. But we're never going to close it. <clears throat> I mean, we don't mind opening and poking things. I know. Right? Hey, is what it Hot is. Hot toucher. Yeah. All right, Varla. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Dave. Hopefully we'll see you in Denver. Love hopefully we'll see you in Denver. Denver. Okay, I wrote that down. We'll talk about that later. All right, yeah. buddy. Take care. Okay. All Bye-bye. right. Bye. Bye. Bar everybody. We love her. I'll be right back and go from there.
We got uh, Bigfoot Michigan Rob in the green room, hanging on out with us, and and uh, everything is looking good. Got about one minute to go. Thank you to Stu, Vaughn, Kira times two, Nicole, Stephen, uh, Grant times three, Christopher, and Long Island Bigfoot for the amazing super chats tonight. Very much appreciate it. Here we go, everyone. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do us the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Umentis. Umentis is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Now... We head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky story for you tonight. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. This is a short story, but 100% true. Roughly about seven or eight years ago, I was in a relationship. Let's call him James. James lived in a big house, which he shared with his brother, his brother's wife. 
and their kids. James had his own section of the house with a bedroom, bathroom, hallway, instead of stairs to go downstairs into the main part of the house and access to the garage. I would mostly sleep over on weekends as we lived about 45 minutes apart and I worked in the city. Before I begin with the story in detail, let me give you a layout of the bedroom. The bed's headboard was against a wall with a window to the right and glass sliding doors to the right as well, which opened into the upstairs porch. A big screen TV was in front of the bed to the left of the TV was a small hallway which led to a set of stairs that go downstairs. To the left of the bed, about seven feet, was a glass table, an entertainment center, which had a stereo system on top of it, which is key to the story. We always slept in the dark, but the TV and cable did illuminate a little bit of the room, because the lights and buttons all had LEDs. One night, which was just a regular night, nothing odd or out of the normal, James and I went to sleep. Keep in mind we were not drunk or high or under the influences of any other drug, and nor did we do any of those. I remember suddenly waking up feeling very uncomfortable. As I laid there on my back, staring at the ceiling, trying to figure out what was going on, I couldn't help but notice the feeling of a dense dread and doom. It felt like something was bearing into my soul. I looked over to my left and James was fast asleep. As I was turning my head to the ceiling, my eyes caught a glimpse of something in the left corner of the wall by the entertainment system. As I looked over, I could see a big black mass and I immediately leapt out of my bed, yelling, No, no, no! That immediately woke James up. And immediately after that, the entire power of the house goes off and the smoke alarms start blaring. As the smoke alarms are emanating this loud, shrieking noise, I ran over to the hallway and was hysterically crying from pure fear. As I explained to James what I saw and what was happening to the best of my ability, as James was consoling me, he looked white in the face. After what seemed like an eternity, the smoke alarms finally stopped blaring and the power turned back on. As the TV and cable system lit up again, but that was the only light except for the moon. As we walked back to the bed and lay down, I still didn't feel right. I turned to look, and that black mass was still there. I sat up and faced my back to that wall, and James started to pray for whatever was in the room to go away. Eventually, from pure exhaustion, we fell asleep. The next morning, we were trying to figure out what had happened, and James told me something that literally sends a chill down to my spine every time I talk about it. James said he didn't want to tell me this last night, but when the power went off, James looked at the entertainment center and the stereo system was turned on with the words that said, Hello, written across the screen. To this day, I can't figure out what the hell that thing was. And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here, because it is always a spooky night when we dip into the pool with the Swamp Dweller. Yes, you can go to YouTube, find thousands of stories from Swamp Dweller at youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. And let us now continue the cryptid talk with Bigfoot Michigan Rob filling in for Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. And here is the cryptid report. Do 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 do
Wearing the red bandana tonight, Howdy. Bigfoot Michigan Rob is here for the Cryptid Report. How you doing, Big Rob? You know, Dave, I'm doing fantastic. Been a long day, and uh, I'm just glad to be here filling in for Duke. Of course, I am not Duke. It's funny because I talk to Duke once a week, and Tuesdays and Thursdays I will get a call, and I know, well, maybe Duke's got a migraine. Maybe Duke's out in the woods. No, he calls me today, Rob, I'm painting battle armor. Can you fill in for me today? I said, battle armor? You're going to fight some giants? No, 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 it's this medieval thing I got going on. So there we have it. Well, he does have the hair for it. He totally he has does. the hair for it. So it works out. What do you got for us tonight, my man? Yeah, I got two cool stories. Well, one, we'll see how, long, how much time we got. And, we got 15 uh, minutes. We got 15 minutes for you. Well, let's see. Kent County, Michigan, 2019. It's a husband and wife trucker team. In fact, what they would do is for two weeks, the husband would go out and work. He'd come home. The wife would go for two weeks out and work. Now, they live in the woods in Kent County. Now, whenever the husband left to go on his two-week run for, for their employment, the wife would always claim to have spooky things happen around her house. She would claim to have rocks thrown at her house. She would hear, like, tree breaks, limbs breaks, limb breaks, I should say, in the distance, weird and strange howlings. She also told her husband one night she thought that she heard something bipedally walking on the roof. So, one night, she hears his footsteps on her on her roof, so she calls the state police in Michigan, and they send out a car, blah, 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 tell her no intruders, they don't see any footprints, they say everything's fine, go back to bed. So the interesting part of this is the next morning, right around the, in the afternoon time, about 12 o'clock in the afternoon, a state trooper from Michigan pulls up to her home. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm, let's call him Trooper John, Trooper John. Trooper Tom, Trooper Tom. So Trooper Tom comes up and says, hey, um, I'm just following up on a report last night, you know, and in the report they had made mention about somebody walking on your roof, and so she goes, yeah, but it's more than that. You know, I always hear these weird sounds in the distance. I hear, like, wood knocks, like some, somebody's beating on a, on a tree stump or, or whatever. So Trooper Trooper Tom looks and says, wow, ma'am, you know what? I'm a part-time Bigfoot researcher. It's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out-of-pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. It's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out-of-pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. Church at night, and you know what? I'd love to uh, to hang out tonight, if I can, in fact, and stay on your property, if you don't mind. I've got camping gear, and I can, I'd can. i love to investigate your property. So he goes, well, just for kicks, he says, I'm going to uh, I'm going to try something. Hope you don't mind. And she says, okay. So he goes over, and he, he takes goes to his, his squad car, and he, he gets out a, a stick or a, a small baseball bat, and he hits a, he hits a tree, makes a wood knock, I, I should say. Does this several times. Now, during this time, 
you can hear all the animals. You know, you can hear the the birds singing. It was a beautiful nature day. You get, all the sounds are are just in full force. Then all of a sudden it stops. All the sounds in nature stop. It's the daytime. And then he hears a wood knock back. Now he's really, he says, ma'am, let's call her Becky. Man, I'm coming back. I, I, I want to come back. He's all excited. And she goes, sure, that'd be great. So the trooper comes back in the evening after a shift and he said, and he comes prepared. He's got all of his gear. He's got Fleer. He's got the, the night vision. He's got his tent. He, he sets up his tent about 50 yards from her house. And her house is in the middle of the woods, surrounds it. There's a nice little meadow out there where he set up camp. So as night proceeds, again, this is the same day, but at nighttime. And um, all of a sudden, he goes out and he says, and he also brought two-way communication devices, like walkie-talkies, and says, hey, you know, right. I'm going to communicate back and forth with you. So to keep an open line of communication. So nighttime comes, and he says, now I'm going to be making some sounds. I'll, I'll let you know when I make a wood knock, when I make a whoop, or what have you. And so Becky's like, fine, that's great. Let's you know. So he's doing this for several hours throughout the night. There's no response. And again, at nighttime, you hear all the forest creatures, the animals running around, insects, whatever. So it's getting late. Becky White calls in and says, hey, you know, Trooper Tom, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to hit the sack. And Trooper Tom says, Becky, that's okay. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to pull an all-nighter. I'm going to try to stay up. I haven't got anything. Looks like a lame night. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. She says, that's okay. He goes, but what I'm going to do, Becky, is I'm going to put out probably one more whoop, one more sound, and probably a tree knock. Just to let you know it's me. Don't be rattled or anything like that. So she goes, fine, thank you. So about a couple minutes later, there is a wood knock. Now, Becky gets on the radio. Hey, Trooper Tom. I didn't know that you were going to do that wood knock directly in back of my house. You're about 50, 50 yards away. How'd you get down here so fast? He says, Becky, I'm on the way to your house right now. I heard that as plain as day two, and that wasn't me. Oh, my. Yeah, so he's making it. He's making his way toward the house, and all of a sudden, Becky kind of says, Oh, my Lord, it's on the roof. There's something on my roof. Now, Trooper Tom, man, he, he's... He's all excited. I mean, and he stops. He's trying to look. Now, you got to remember, it's dark outside. He's looking toward the roof. He can't see nothing. Then he remembers, oh, my God, I got my flare on me. Gets his flare. He looks at the roof of the house. He can't find anything. He's panning around. Then he picks up a red object. It's a thermal image. And this thing takes the, is running toward the edge of the house. He sees it. It leaps off the roof of the house, lands on the ground, takes two steps bipedally toward the wood line, then drops to all fours, and it's gone in an instant. Now, he gets back, he talks with Becky, you know, he explains what he saw, what she heard. He goes out, he's trying to look around the, ho around the perimeter of the house for, the, for a track. 
Now what he does find about 10 feet from where he's seen it leap, he did find a set of prints, and they were embedded deep into the ground. In fact, you could see then where it pushed off. So now he's looking for additional tracks, because as I made mention, it dropped the four legs, but four, yeah, I guess four legs. And But he couldn't find nothing, but then he said, hey, you know, it's nighttime. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay the night. And I'm gonna investigate and look around in the morning. Well, they look around in the morning. He still sees those two tracks, but you know, he finds nothing else as though it vanished into the wood line. Just vanished. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And that's the, that was the end of that report. And uh, I like to really follow up on that story, but. You know, we hear these stories all the time about whatever it is. I don't, I can't, I, can I say that was a Sasquatch? I couldn't tell you what that was, Dave, just from reading that story, that report. But we hear it all the time. You see foot, footprints stop. Even this image, I mean, when it, dropped the, when it dropped all fours on the thermal, it just disappeared off the thermal. Did it run that fast? Did it go into another dimension, a portal? I don't know. This is what... These are the stories that I really love reading because you just keeps you. It's fascinating. I, and that's why I'm doing this because it's so hard to comprehend. You, you know what amazes me about a story like that is, you know, how did this thing get on the roof? That's a great question. Now, you know, obviously with me not seeing the home, obviously there wasn't a lot of detail in the story that I read, but you know, Maybe, I don't know. I mean, if the tree is sitting back in the woods, perhaps it went up a tree and got on top. Um, it doesn't leave any height. I mean, obviously, for in the flare, you can't see how big it is. I don't, those are like blobs, right? So it'd have to be really big and pull itself up or maybe perhaps fall from, come from a tree and get on top. I don't know. I'm sure they can jump, maybe jump on it. I mean, we don't know. We know these things are, these cryptids have strength and, and athletic ability compared to, comparatively speaking, to a pro athlete. Who knows, Dave? Who knows? Hmm. And, and, I mean, if this thing is a Sasquatch and it's jumping off the roof and leaving prints behind, I mean, those prints had to sink at least two, three inches, Rob. You know, he, you know in there, I, I did leave out, they did sink deep in, and he, and he suggested it might have been a juvenile simply because the length now, of course, it's when it hits the ground, it's going to sp- spray out, right? But he, he measured it about 14 inches long by about 6 inches wide. To me, hey, I'm not no Bigfoot researcher or expert. None of us are, right? But typically you hear about the 17, 18-inch print. So maybe this was a juvenile, a younger one, and maybe that could support the way down the roof. Because I'm thinking, oh, I hear all these stories about these big 9-foot, 10-foot-tall Sasquatches. I mean, you're going to have some serious roof damage if they're traipsing atop your roof. So I'm thinking it was maybe a younger one and um, athletic enough to get up on the roof, you know. That takes some strength. And to jump from that height, even if it is only like an eight-foot roof, I mean, that's still hard on a human's knees. You know, a human is going to make a little bit more sound. A human, you know, unless you're very athletic, is likely going to fall and potentially injure themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Dave. It's just I can't can't even picture it in my head or phantom it. I cannot. 
And uh, we got what? We got about four minutes left. We got about five minutes left. You got time for another one? I do. I like this one. This one here is really cool. I wanted to get this one out. The, that one was nice, but this is really, I don't know if this is, you know, since Vala was on, I love Vala. This is kind of creepy. I don't know what this is. In 2020, Grass Lake, Ohio. Now, Grass Lake, Ohio is pretty creepy, to say the least. There was a group of researchers. They went out in the woods to do some investigations because reportedly there was some sort of cryptid, cryptid sighting. Uh, but it was not a specified cryptid. There was also strange sounds and howls again being reported. Like, you know, I always come up howls. You always hear howls and, and cryptid sightings, right? So after a couple of days, this group of about four guys, uh, they, they go out to the woods. And they're there two days. On the third night, they said, yeah, there's no activity here. You know, let's just hang out and let's, let's pack it up in the morning. So they're all sitting around their campfire. And they're all chit-chatting. You know, talking about the day's events, the exploits, talking about sports, whatever, what guys do around a campfire late at night. Then all of a sudden, it started getting colder. They, they all felt a chill. They all started feeling kind of strange, and the wind had picked up. And in the distance, they heard this talking. And these guys are trying intently listening and listening in. And now the voices, the talking that they're hearing was them these guys, it was actually the stories that they were telling was being commuted back to them from the woods. But it wasn't like their exact voices. They could make out the stories they were saying, but it was in a, a tinny, echoing sound, echoey, echo, an echo-sounding voice, and, and like kind of low and whispering and raspy, but it was identical, pretty much identical to what they were talking about and uh, that's where that's where that ends. I guess they skedaddle out of there that night. Now that, my friend, is a creepy story. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! I don't know where you're finding these. I mean, but the, the experiences people are having and reporting on—I mean, they're so different, and and they seem so unreal, Rob. They are. I think they are unreal. You know, I got a couple sources that I go to. I've gotten. I get emails from people. You know, I do the show, and I do get inundated with emails. But there's this one report. The first report I did, that was like a, an email. Another one was from this report that I do use, which is pretty reputable, about the uh, the, the earlier incident. And, and they are, you know, sometimes when I read these, it's almost like, do I really want to even make this public or go on, on Space Out Radio and tell the story? Because, But you know what? I kind of... I go with what you usually say, hey, we believe. I believe, and that's what I tell people. I, I don't walk in other people's shoes, you know. And the fact that they're letting me, or not letting me, I'm just going ahead and reading these things and talking on them is is, uh, is good enough for me, and and you don't know what's out there. I had, You know what, Dave? I had an encounter, as you know, where the thing looked from a Sasquatch and it turned into a demon. And I stand by that every day, and if I see what I saw, I certainly can believe what other people are seeing. See, my encounter wasn't like that at all. It was much more uh, peaceful. It was much more loving. It was much more uh, nonchalant, if I could use that term, because the encounter that we had, that where I saw two of them 100 feet away from me, it was very much, you know, like, hey, we know you're here, and we're walking away. We're kind of done with you. That's the way it kind of was with us. But... I got to say this, 
the second encounter that we had in the force where we got chased out, they need to seriously, seriously, you know, ha- they have their right. I guess what I'm trying to say is they seriously have their right to protect their area. We're the strangers yes. in, in their territory. And they don't like us. They want us to leave. We can leave. And that's what they did. There was something that obviously bothered them regarding us being there. And that's what they wanted. They wanted us out. So, yes. thank goodness it wasn't more violent. No, thank goodness for that, for sure. And, you know, Dave, too, since I've been doing this, you know, 90% of the reports that I get or read or people that come on the show or whatever they do, they are not aggressive. A lot of it is a, a Sasquatch crossing the road or some cryptid crossing the road or they hear the wood knock or they see, they get a, a blob squatch on their, on their camera. You know, it's, but when you get those ones that are kind of out there, it makes you think, wow. Because just like you are saying about protection, when Robin McRae was on the show, you know, I, I'm not going to get into that, but it was this whole mind speak thing. And she was telling me that she tapped into that. And I was in the area where the babies were. So, Hey, Weird. you're protecting their area. Thanks, Steve. Bigfoot, Michigan, Rob on the cryptid report tonight, doing an excellent job filling in for super Duke for world Bigfoot radio. Coming up next. It's Dave one Oh one. We'll be right back right after this word. Good job, Robert. Thank you, David. Thank you. Oh, and I do want to say, I want to make mention, I forgot I was to say this earlier. I am wearing Michigan Wolverine pajama bottoms. That's that's right. Michigan Wolverine pajama bottoms. Nice. Nice. One of these nights right. we're going to have a show us your pajama bottoms night. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. If, uh, if Duke's not available, or I'll just come on anyway. You know, they're very comfortable, and I did get them. Uh, I got them for five ninety nine at Walmart. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and I hate Walmart. That's okay. You got what you wanted. You got what you, you wanted. You got that right. You, yeah, have, you, you got that right. You have a good night, buddy. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. See everybody in chat. Bye. Take care. Bigfoot Michigan Rob, everybody. How awesome is he? Just a good, good, solid dude right there. Solid, solid dude. We love him around here. I miss his bar days, though. I do. I miss his bar days. He's got to get another bar. Hang on out and put up the shows. You know, Bigfoot Alley, we'll call it. Bigfoot Alley. Have a big party there in Michigan. Why not? Why the hell not?
<clears throat> Sorry, Jeremy, just putting my uh, thinking cap on here for a sec for Dave 101. No, I didn't cut my hair, dude. listening ears I want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old Davey the favor hit that subscribe button our website is spacedoutradio.com we have a plethora of features for you including rocking out to bumblefoot reading shirky poo's newswire check out our swag as well follow us on twitter at spaced out radio instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where I've chosen a topic of the week, which leads us to the Dave 101. It's time for Dave 101. Now, I'm not a smart man, but the one thing I am is very open-minded to learn from my peers. The one thing that I didn't ever enjoy when I was going through high school was science. I'm nowhere close to being a scientist. I'm nowhere smart enough to be a scientist. I am nowhere... Congrats on going to college. Now the fun begins with setting up your dorm. Make it yours. Bed Bath & Beyond makes it easy. Sign up now for our college savings pass. Get 20% off your entire purchase every time you shop through September 30th. Only at Bed Bath & Beyond. Congrats on going to college. Now the fun begins. Setting up your dorm, your apartment, your space. Make it yours. Bed Bath & Beyond makes it easy. Sign up now for our college savings pass. Get 20% off your entire purchase every time you shop through September 30th. 20% off everything. Hey, we've even got a checklist for that. You can order near home and pick it all up near campus. Sign up now at your nearest Bed Bath & Beyond or bedbathandbeyond.com and make college yours understanding enough to know much about science but there is a little bit that I do know is that science is everything and that science is ever evolving and this is where it takes us regarding the UFO field because there is a brilliant scientist out there who continues to rattle the cages of anybody who believes in UFOs, and that is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now, reading his resume, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a brilliant, brilliant man. You cannot take that away from him. All right, he's an astrophysicist, planetary scientist, author, science communicator. He studied at Harvard. He studied at the University of Texas at Austin, 
Columbia University. He got his postdoctoral research associate from Princeton, all right, and then he joined the hated planetarium. He has dedicated his life to what is up in space. And I think this is great. But, you know, the one thing about this show that I have been able to take advantage of in my limited amount of knowledge when it comes to science is that there is a huge difference between science and opinion. Everybody can choose what they want to believe and what they do not want to believe. But the arrogance that we have seen over the last few years regarding Neil deGrasse Tyson and the possibility that UFOs and extraterrestrials may be here has been really unfathomable. I remember talking to one scientist who told me, Dave, all of us scientists are geeks. We grew up on Star Trek. We grew up on Star Wars. There's nothing more that we would like than to explore the supernatural nova that is out there regarding everything that is woo. We would love to bring scientific answers to it. But Neil deGrasse Tyson continues to literally crap all over the UFO field. This is what I do not understand, is why he is doing this. There are people out there who are just as smart as him, that are just as interested in UFOs, and are taking this subject extremely seriously. Yet, for Mr. deGrasse Tyson... He wants to make fun of little green men and spaceships. He's not saying that there isn't life out there somewhere. What he is saying is, it's impossible for them to get to Earth and be here now. And he makes fun of people who believe that they have been abducted, believe they have had sightings. His skepticism on the entire topic is extremely flawed. Now, for a scientist, would you not want to be a part of this story? Would you not want to investigate it the way you would something else? We see scientists all the time wasting money and grants on the stupidest of projects. I remember a couple years ago, we did a story on this. And I read through a few of them. The one that stuck with me was a $300,000 grant to an American university to study how cougars, that's mountain lions, okay, not ladies on heels, how they reacted to walking on a treadmill. Three hundred grand. What the hell does that have to do with life? Every year, hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on grants on many things that, for everyday life, we will call useless. But when it comes to space, not many scientists want to put their name on the UFO story. There are some brave men and women, part of the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies, otherwise known as the SCU, who will meet this weekend for their annual convention who will hang out there and discuss the plausibilities 
of what is happening right now in UFOs. The UFO topic is a hotbed of information. We have U.S. Congress looking into it, other governments looking into it, politicians taking this story seriously, the media making it front-page news and headline news. Yet, around here, Neil deGrasse Tyson thinks it's all a nothing burger. This is where science gets into trouble. When you start opining your opinion rather than looking at the scientific data that has been found. All one would have to do is look at the brand new documentary, A Tear in the Sky. I can tell you right now, scientists like Kevin Knuth, who appeared in that documentary, Dave Mason, were using high-tech scientific technology to try and track these craft. Why wouldn't he look at that? Science is about expanding. We do not know everything. For if we did know everything, wouldn't we have solved the life after death mystery? Rather than just saying it's ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you're one and done. Wouldn't we have solved other mysteries about how we got here? Because right now, it's all theory. What about the theory of extraterrestrials coming here? just as plausible. Yet Neil deGrasse Tyson, every chance he gets on any major media outlet, wants to absolutely lambaste anyone who is looking into this phenomena. Dr. Bob McGuire is a smart man. He is our resident scientist. He was a head of science and mathematics at Virginia Tech University. I would say that's a pretty smart guy. He says it's very dangerous in our conversations, for DeGrasse Tyson to be doing this. In fact, he thinks it makes him look like a fool. My words, not the doctor's. What about Avi Loeb from Harvard? He's an astrophysicist. Same education, same doctorate as Neil DeGrasse Tyson. Why don't they have a conversation? So that way, DeGrasse Tyson can learn more about the Galileo Project. Neil deGrasse Tyson has a huge, huge voice on the scientific community and with governments and businesses alike. He's a television star. He is a scientific rock star, if there ever was one. But for him to continually put down the UFO field and ignore the statistics, the information, and everything that has been caught on data both from the military and from people just like you and me, is absolutely ignorant. I don't have to be a scientist to be able to say that Neil deGrasse Tyson looks like a fool on this subject. That would be like a chef stating that they don't want to cook steak because they don't believe steak exists, even though you could get it at every supermarket and every butcher. Bad comparison, I know, but once again, I'm not a scientist, and I never claim to be a smart man. What I do know is this. We need more scientists, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, to look at the information. 
study the information. Give the information a 100% effort. Hell, even a 50% effort before you make er erroneous claims that this phenomena is not real. You can tell he doesn't even bother looking at the studies, the way he talks arrogantly about the subject. He doesn't want to learn from Avi Loeb. He doesn't want to learn from what the government knows. He doesn't want to learn from Eric Davis or Hal Putoff or Dr. Bob McGuire, Dr. Michael Masters, many others. Richard Hoffman and Robert Powell from the SCU, I'm pretty sure they would love to have a conversation with Neil deGrasse Tyson to show him what they have found. All right? We have brilliant people looking into this subject on a daily, if not hourly, basis. But unfortunately, when it comes to the media, they don't know who Dr. Bob McGuire is. They don't know who Robert Powell is. They don't know who Dr. Paul Kingsbury is, or barely Avi Loeb. Or how about Gary Nolan at Stanford University, who has his own laboratory named after him, and the studies he is doing about UFOs and ET contact. No, people as smart as DeGrasse Tyson are ignored by the man. Because this is where the ego comes into play. DeGrasse Tyson doesn't want to be wrong. He's a rock star. He's one of those people that when the media calls, he can be the man to talk to. He likes being the man. You can tell. Remember, this is a man who helped kill Pluto as a planet. He's evil. I don't mean in that way, but I'm saying for Pluto, he's evil. There's nine planets, not eight. But then again, what do I know? What do I know? I'm just a guy behind a microphone. I'm just a guy who is here telling it like I see it. Neil deGrasse Tyson could be a huge, huge voice for the UFO community, but his own ignorance and ego will not allow him to look at the data, to look at the information, and to talk to those who are truly studying it. Look, you don't need to believe the experiencer. You don't need to believe the videos. You don't need to believe MUFON. You don't need to believe Peter Davidport at New Fork. You don't need to believe what the government says or their videos they have released. But stop crapping on your own scientific colleagues who have put their own blood, sweat, and tears into what could be a massive story and massive scientific feat if the extraterrestrials arrive. But DeGrasse Tyson won't do that. He's too proud. You could tell. He's too smug. He's too egotistical. He's too arrogant. And that's why he uses opinion over science. Look, we see this all the time in every field. Okay, And once again, you don't need to be a scientist to figure it out. We see opinions about what Bigfoot is. Look at the BFRO. We see these groups of people, these weekend warriors that go out ghost hunting, claiming that they are 
creating scientific studies about the paranormal when you know they're not. There's a lot of false science out there. And I can understand why DeGrasse Tyson doesn't want to get in the mix. That's easy to see. But I'm pretty sure that Avi Loeb, Gary Nolan, Jacques Vallée, Robert Powell, Richard Hoffman, Dr. Eric Davis, and many, many more could easily have a very serious conversation to show DeGrasse Tyson that the phenomena is extremely real and, more importantly, that the phenomena is already here. But the good television doctor and scientist first needs to open his eyes and realize this isn't about him. This is about humanity. And science can lead to those answers that we are missing right now. Be the voice, Neil. You have the opportunity to do so. You have the ability to do so. But will you take that chance? I highly doubt it. And that is your Dave 101. Do me a favor, if you are listening on YouTube or on social media, head to our YouTube channel, tell me what you think, leave a comment, I want to know what you think, and let me know. All right, let's get to Shirky Poo's news. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's news! All right. Hey, we've been following this time traveler on... TikTok from 2236. Yep. And we got some more predictions. Now, the time traveler boom going huge on TikTok, by the way. Uh, We don't take it very seriously, but it does make for fun news. And the anonymous time jumper stands by his claims that I am a real time traveler. So, you know, they're legit the minute they have to admit it to themselves. From the year 2236, well... Here's some more reports of what he's looking forward to in 2022. Let us move on with it. Uh, First up, they claim that humans are going to have their first real alien contact with outer space species called Azarax or Azarks. Azarks, that's A-Z-A-R-K, or pardon me, X, for the Americans out there. That's A-Z-A-R-X, who will touch down on the south side of Alaska on July 7th. Well, somebody put that on your bingo card. Next up, a hacker by the name of Stack will supposedly delete over 36.7 million TikTok accounts due to their strong beliefs against social media on August 13th. Oh, he's not done yet. The last one, October 12th, there will be a deadly meteor named the Dracodids, which will hit Europe, causing many casualties. Now, there's been over 110,000 views on this. Most people just scratching their heads, wondering what's going on. But this guy, well, we got three more dates for the bingo card. Let's see if they actually come true. Well, Netflix is getting into the snowflake game. You may have been uh, called one at a random by that random uncle. Why don't these kids... Get it these days. Why are they so offended? Well, apparently Netflix has a brand new reality TV show called Snowflake Mountain. Uh, 
According to the show's official synopsis, a bunch of clueless kidults are put through their paces at a wilderness survival retreat, try and kickstart them into standing on their own two feet. There's no running water, no parents, and worst of all, no Wi-Fi. Welcome to Snowflake Mountain, a place where ragtag, stuck-at-home snowflakes with zero life skills have to step up to the plate. Built as a wilderness boot camp, our snowflakes will compete to see who has what it takes, competing for a life-changing prize and the chance to kickstart their life and liberate their parents. The streaming giant adds, in what seems to be the world's strictest parents meets Bear Grylls, the new show aims to make the group of 10 spoilt 20-somethings stand on their own two feet as they are put through their paces against the backdrop of the great British countryside, with the winner reportedly snagging a cash prize. Oh, there's going to be a lot of tears. I wonder if the first place thing they'll make is a safe place to cry. That's what I'm wondering. All right. These people couldn't figure out who was breaking into their house in Tennessee. Julie and Jimmy Johnson love dogs. They have three of their own that regularly sleep in their bed. However, recently they woke up to find a large tan dog sandwiched between them that was not one of their own. You could see light coming into our curtains into the bedroom. I feel my husband not just roll over, but kind of startled, like he almost jumped, rolled over, and woke me up. It was quite a stern voice, but he says, Whose dog is this? Julie admitted uh, she was confused, thinking it was, of course, either Hollis, Jupiter, or Zeppelin, one of their three dogs. When she rolled over, there was an unknown dog in their bed. Yeah, it didn't take much time after that to realize the strange dog was not a threat, but instead a cuddle bug, maybe a bit of a bed hog, as it pushed the Johnsons on both sides of their king bed. After taking a look at the dog and realizing it must have owners of its own, Julia started taking some selfies of the bizarre and funny situation, posted them on Facebook, and so far, no response. Whose strange dog is sleeping in your bed? Beware. Things could have been worse. Could have been. Thank you to the Swamp Dweller for a great night of... Spooky stories. Thank you for Bigfoot Michigan Rob filling in for Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio on the Cryptid Report. Very much appreciate that. All of you for hanging on in there, listening to me talk non-science about Neil deGrasse Tyson on the Dave 101. And of course, our favorite cryptid countess, Varla Ventura. For our cryptid world, you can find her books at any major bookstore as well as on our website, varlaventura.net. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is Watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in, at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone on our chat rooms, YouTube, LGAP, Facebook, Twitter, the Space Travelers Club, and wherever you are, rocking out with us and chatting away. We love you so, so much. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyright by Space Down Radio. And SOR Media Ventures Limited, thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friend, we're watching.
We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, you've got room for them, too. Good night. on going to college. Now the fun begins with setting up your dorm. Make it yours. Bed Bath & Beyond makes it easy. Sign up now for our college savings pass. Get 20% off your entire purchase every time you shop through September 30th. Only at Bed Bath & Beyond. Gorgeous gaming, stunning streams, unbelievable bandwidth. It's another Lifestyles of Gagillionaires. Meet the AT&T Fiber customers winning at life with hyper gig speeds. Meet Gagillionaire Terry. While his love of streaming horror movies has him constantly on the edge of his seat, his internet bill won't give him a scare. Oh, don't go in there. I'm telling you. Because since Terry upgraded to AT&T Fiber with hyper gig speeds, he doesn't worry about data caps or equipment fees. Come on, man. The door's open for a reason. And best yet, he also doesn't stress about a price increase at 12 months. Because with the amazing Gagillionaire lifestyle comes an exquisite sense of tranquility. <laughs> Most of the time. Live like a gagillionaire. Get straightforward pricing with AT&T Fiber. Internet that upgrades everything. No data caps, no equipment fees, and no price increase at 12 months. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details.